Hello and broadcasting from the beautiful city of California. It's the dog. I have a talking about William Defoe. I have a reach over here. I have a lot of equipment in front of me. Hey, James, you know what? What? It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while since we did a podcast. How bad is your How bad is your mom been punishing you? It's like, where's the next episode? Where's the next episode? Uh, Where's the next episode? Almost once a day. Almost. Almost. How's it going, everyone? Sorry it's been a minute. But hey, welcome back to the another episode of the Triple D Radio Show with your boys and hosts, James and Edward. Ed, what's good? What's up, everybody? This episode is brought to you by uh, timestamps, which we always have in the description above or below, wherever it ends up. Yeah, it's been a little bit. Uh, sorry, but uh, we'll try to make it up for you because you know what? We've got a we've we've got a packed show for you today. Yeah, what is on the lineup? Well, you and I kind of don't know. Here's the thing: it's been the holidays. Yeah, but now Christmas is over, and we can tell tales of Christmas. Yeah. I hope y'all that are listening. Had an awesome Christmas. Yeah, it was. Um, well, my Christmas was both awesome and it sucked, but I'll get into that in a minute. Hmm. So we kicked things off with Hot or Not, of course, that provided by Mr. Hot or Not, as as he's known now, Jake Bones. Mr. Hot or Dude, it's been so long. I totally forgot we call him Mr. Hot or Not. Yeah, I think it only started last episode. Well, but last yeah. episode <laughs> was a couple weeks ago and we've just been, life's just been hard. Yeah. But yeah, for Mr. Hot or Not, then we get into. We get into the next record in the Metallica journey, uh, which, hey, Metallica released a new song while, oh we, while, we, while we were gone. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, we invoked them. So you're welcome for bringing for single handedly. We bring back Metallica. We had so many nice things to say about Lars Ulrich. He was like, you know what? I fucking like these guys. We're going to make some new music and we're going to dedicate the new record to the Triple D radio show. That'd be a fucking trip. But and then we've got our main event. We've got our main event for you, which is you could say it's our second John Claude Van Damme movie. But I would like to say I would like to think of this as our first Dennis Rodman movie. Double team from the same year that Reload came out. Oh, yeah. The Metallica albums Reload, which if you all remember, I quite like Load. I think in hindsight, I like the first half of Load a lot and like two songs from side B. But overall, that's not that, that that's a pretty positive ratio. Reload's the real deal, though. This is the one record besides fucking Lulu that I I typically have no problem telling people, yeah, I don't really like that record. It's not that there's not good songs on it, but it's kind of just like, no, this is this is this is this is I think it's a not a great album, but we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll definitely get there. So how was your how was your Christmas? Como fue tu Navidad? Okay, well, last time since we podcast, I don't know if I did a birthday show and we podcast after or not. No, the last time we podcast, it was actually almost a month ago on the 25th of November. Well, well, I did a birthday show. Luckily, that was successful. Yeah. What fucking sucked was I got fucking sick. Yeah, like and like like two like a couple weeks before that show, and that cold wasn't go, was not lingering away. Literally that week, I wanted to spend every day and put in as much hours of time as I can on the kit. But then one day, I got like such a bad nasal congestion. I literally just had to just like, I have to go home. I have to just sleep this off. 
And like literally when the show came, I was like, dude, I don't know how the fuck I'm going to fucking do this show. <laughs> I have to play three fucking sets and they're all longer sets. And like literally after the first drum set, I was like, dude, what the fuck did I get myself into? <laughs> I'm like, that was a brutal set. I fucking was just locking up. Maybe. Well, it was the worst band um, when it comes to playing because it's the most demanding. But I'm sitting there. I was like, dude, there's no way I'm going to fucking do tonight. And I'm like, then I'm like, what? I'll just do the next set. I'll just try and see what happens. Next set was fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. I felt good. That shit was cool. I felt felt good. I literally came off that set. I'm like, I could do a third set. It's fucking on. (laughs) Bloodsport ain't fucking done. I might have fucking got my ass whipped in the first round. But but in the second round, I came back with a vengeance. Like, legit. Like, I saw a post from this one, like, young homie that pops in the shows that, like, said that fucking show was a movie. Because they thought it was so awesome. But for me, I'm like, dude, that felt like a movie. As in, I got fucking whooped by conflict in the beginning. But then I got my fucking groove and confidence. And then in fucking in the climax, I was able to finish this bitch. Yeah. And it ended strong, too. See, that was a similar experience for me because I was sick as well. Yeah, um, yeah, no. Everyone was getting sick with the flu. Except now I guess people are getting sick with COVID again. Or at least I had one friend that get hit with COVID. Well, I didn't get hit with the COVID. So either I got an early cold or it was... Uh, I've also heard influenza is going around the area too. Yeah, I felt like I got hit with influenza. Yeah, I think that's what I got hit with too. But yeah, well, that was a fun show. Uh, I was able to play. Uh, I felt kind of bad because I was so just weak and awe that I just did. So what I did was I was in the room over from the room we were playing. And I'm just sitting he there like... a couch. Yeah, and I'm just like, dude, just now it off and i was snap and his, just make yourself as best as you can to do the our wizard do the wizard say and here's the thing don't trip if you have to watch the other band and here's the thing his i couch, sit there and goes like oh you're dying of fever but you won't watch my <laughs> other bands what kind of friend are you i feel like depending on the day dilla would have said something like that <laughs> depending on the day it's like he would have done that thing where he puts his hand over his heart and he's like oh so you're not gonna make the effort <laughs> To see Corpse throw his last show. You're not going to make... Th- okay, I don't know if that's our last show, but who knows? World could be weird. But yeah. But yeah, so... And his couch didn't have cushions on at the time. And I was going to put them on, but I thought, no, I'm sick. I don't want to get the couch sick. And so I laid on that couch, no cushion. And once I figured out where the springs were, it was actually kind of comfortable. And then, yeah, I just napped. And once it came time for Wizard, I was like... Let's do this. Yeah, and, and then you're yeah. like, you look like a zombie on footage review. I think the yeah, set, apparently. Bama says like that was still a pretty awesome set. I don't know how that set felt with you. It sounded good, I thought. Uh, but I mean, I'm not gonna say, oh, I think we always sound good. But I think like, I think we sound more. Off- there's very few shows we've had in the last few years. Well, there's very few shows we've had in the last few years in general, mm-hmm. but there's very few shows where we've had in the last few years where I'm like, eh, that wasn't that great. Eh. Maybe the rock, the famous rock off show. But besides that, I, there's very not really a show where I'm like, ah, we, we stunk up the joint. I thought we sounded good. And then, of course, we did the we did the uh, we did the pretentious Megadeth bow at the end. That was fun. Because that's funny. To your garage full of like 20, pe- 30 <laughs> people. <laughs> But yeah, my Christmas was really cool. Yeah, it was good with your Christmas. But it was also, but it was also fucking ruined. How the 
fucking Raiders. Oh, there was Raiders game. That's right. Christmas Eve. So here's what happens, everybody. Let me set the tone for this. Uh, I want to apologize right now to my mom and dad if uh, mom hears this part and wants to show dad. Because quite honestly, fuck these fucking Raiders, dude. Here's the game. It's the Raiders versus the Steelers. And it's the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. And the quarterback at that time, Tom Fowler or whatever for the Steelers, he just died this year. So it's the anniversary of that. They retire his jersey and celebrate him. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm not trying to be mean to the Steelers, but if we win this game, that's a fucking statement. Let's go us. And we have a really good first drive in the first quarter, and we get a touchdown. And that was it. The Steelers just whipped fucking ass. No. We held them. They scored nothing like that first quarter. The, by the halfway point of the fourth quarter, the score was still 10 to like six. And all their scores were field goals. All we have to do is hold the ball. But Carr can't make nothing happen. Our O-line is trash. This is one of the rare games where our defense showed up to fucking play. Max Crosby is putting who's always who's always good but he's got the defensive team in such a great synergy they're putting on a fucking clinic they're putting on Brett and Sean but our offense is putting on the big show sumo match <laughs> it's sloppy it's disorganized and it's just awful and they eventually score a touchdown on us, but we have like a, less than a minute left in the fourth quarter. I'm like, if we could just get a drive down there, we can do it. And what the fuck does Carr do on the last play, on, on the first, on like the second or third play? He throws an interception, game's over. The Raiders ruined my Christmas almost. Almost. It was made better because I was able to finally give my gift uh, to my parents that I've been working on for months, which you know what it is, but I can announce it on the podcast. Yeah. For, for the last six months or so, I've been saving up a shit ton of money to take my folks and me to Disney World. And ball the fuck out. We're going for six days and six nights at the Louis, at the New Orleans Resort. Which I showed my dad that place in the restaurant, and my dad's exact words were, "We're gonna party down. <laughs> we're gonna party down. We're gonna party down at Disney's yeah. New Orleans Resort. And yeah, we're gonna go. It's gonna be a great time. And it costs a lot less than people than than, than, than I than I thought it would be. I thought it was gonna cost me ten grand. Well, I don't want to say how much it is because I want my mom to know, but uh, it costed less than 10 grand. So, yeah, it's still a lot of money, but I had the whole thing mapped out. I drew up plans and schematics and shit. And like on what, budgeting your cash for the super trip. Yeah, I was pretty proud of myself. I'm sure once you get in Florida, you're just like, we're going to do whatever the fuck. Well, because well, I felt bad. I got to sit there like, you're going to ride dad. You're going to ride <laughs> the freaking big tuner with me. We're going to go on Space Mountain and at then, like noon. Okay. <laughs> No, you're just like, we're going to make it to Disney World. We're going to enjoy ourselves. Well, here's How the, long are you staying in Disney World? Uh, we're going the 7th. We're flying up the 7th. We are coming home the 14th. We've got four. There's four days at the at the parks. One one ticket for each day, with two days left that we can do with whatever we want. Because you can switch your tickets pretty much on the fly. So it's like we can either spend them both at Magic Kingdom, or if we want, we can just uh, you know we can switch them out for like, hey, maybe let's go back to Animal Kingdom, try and ride this fucking Avatar ride. 
or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that was so that was really cool. But fuck the Raiders. I hate the Raiders. I wish I could just switch teams. I, I know so many people that have. Nah. They're just like, they're just like, I switch teams or I just follow players because, because my fantasy team. I'm like, fuck your fantasy football. I don't know how to follow that shit. I, I would rather play the most complicated JRPGs or navigate Genshin Impact menus than play fantasy football. It makes the shit makes no sense to me. Oh, you got to follow the players and keep track of their stats. I don't want to do math. What is this, baseball? But I can't. I can't turn my back on this team. My dad can't turn his back on this team. I told dad, I said, you know what you should have done? You should have followed your brother and gone with my uncle and gone with the Cowboys. Because then we would have had two more rings and a way less crappy quarterback. And dad was like, you know what? I should have stuck with my original team back in the 70s. I should have stuck with the Packers. And I said, I don't want A-Ron. <laughs> that A-Ron. guy is so mentally checked out. It's ridiculous. <sighs> But besides that, it was a good Christmas. Yeah, just a rough game. (laughs) Rough game. Rough game. I hate the Raiders. Raiders. I love the Raiders, but fuck the Raiders. I love the Raiders because my friends love the Raiders. (laughs) That's kind of it. I just know know enough Raiders fans where it's like, I like you guys. How how many Raiders fans do you know besides me? Okay, I know you and your family. And then like, not really much of a friend, but like, I love his Instagram story is Lord Fowler. He'll like go to Raiders games and supposedly he's done, gone to a Raiders game where he got fucking drunk, threw up, and pissed himself at the game. <laughs> sounds like sounds like he was right there in the black hole. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, but this is like he lives in LA and shit too. I so. think he tried. I think you repped the Niners a bit when we were in high school yeah, during the Kaepernick like, era. Yeah, but then I'm like sitting there, I was like, eh, I don't care for about football that much. <laughs> That's true. And I was sitting there, I was like, I'll just go Raiders. I'm like, once Jerome Ra- Bettis retired, you were like, I don't need to stick around. Dude, Jer- oh, dude, Jerome Bettis like retired before I started watching. Oh, wait, that's right. Yeah. yeah, Jerome Bettis retired in like 2006. I just saw the one documentary and I'm like, this fullback is awesome. <laughs> well, literally, he is the bus. Yeah. So that's a pretty sick. Like my Christmas was a little bit more chill for the most part. Obviously, I didn't have a Raiders game that made me go. No, you don't understand. Me and my dad after the game, we went to our rooms because we needed time to emotionally detox. <laughs> I felt so bad for my mom because I right before we did the presents, I went, I put in my, I put in my clothes in the bathroom, to take a shower. Pre- you did presents like dur- after the Raiders game, like a few hours after. Yeah, I felt so bad for my mom because I put my clothes in the bathroom because I was gonna take a shower, and then I go in the living room and she's tired and falling asleep. But my poor mom is just sitting in the recliner watching. Christmas with the cranks the Christmas tree lights are on she's just sitting in the recliner like this just kind of looking down all by herself I'm like my poor mom but I'm like no it's the fucking Raiders fault we didn't even watch any Christmas movies we we opened our presents watching the uh, watching the longest yard the original one with Burt Reynolds well Burt Reynolds was in the second one but Burt Reynolds was the main character in the first one that's what I mean the the uh, no the uh yeah, you know, the football one in prison? Yeah. Yeah, the original one with Burt Reynolds. Yeah, but Burt Reynolds is also in the second one, too. They made a sequel? Well, you know the one with that Adam Sandler? Yeah. yeah oh, that's a remake, I thought. Yeah, he's in it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's the coach. <laughs> oh, well, holy shit. <laughs> but yeah, the original one. Wait, did you never watch the one with Adam Sandler? No, that was the one. I watched that one first, actually, because we rented it one time, and I didn't know it was a remake, but my dad and brother rented it. And it's kind of weird to imagine Adam Sandler playing a tough guy, but yeah. it was fun. Stone Cold Steve Austin got to play a racist. I know. That's how a white man runs a football. Yeah. And oh. then the parties in the locker room, oh. air guitar. That's how a white man plays guitar. 
<laughs> it's like Mississippi Queen in the background or something. Uh, uh, anyway, yeah. yeah, your Christmas. My Christmas. So I had two options this Christmas. One, do community service because I need to do community service hours. And I'm like, you know what? This would be the one weekend. This is like one of the like free weekends. I can really get onto it. And I like looked up the schedule. I'm already signed. I'm at, I got myself registered where I can now go a volunteer at the homeless shelter. But then I also got tempted to, it was like, don't want to be like working at 11, a, like 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. shift on Christmas. Or do I want to go down to Christmas with my friends and they're going to make a big old dinner that they spent $500 on on groceries? Yeah, they did. Uh, good friend, Bo- and Mr. Hot or not, showed us the receipt. Yeah, and I'm sitting there and I was like, you know what? You know, I should just go hang with Christmas <laughs> with my friend. And no, my Christmas was good. The only reason I just didn't care for it because it's like I was dealing with good friend Dylan and his dad. So it's double it. trouble with them. It's like double the trouble with them. And I don't know why, but I get pretty worn out with their like personalities where I'm sitting there. And I was like, dude, I, I just. Which I is kind of funny because Dylan, because good friend Dylan's dad, good friend Papa Steve, is like super. I don't know if you call him extroverted, but you know he talks, he engages. Dylan just he sits talks there. and talks and talks. Like maybe he just doesn't hang out with people too much, but just there's talks, talks and talks. And Dylan just sits there, so yeah. his aura is like it's just both of them, and just yeah. like yeah, I'm just sitting here. There's, there was a point where I'm like, okay, I'm getting a little worn down hanging out with these peeps. I I really need some pseudo time myself or time away from these peeps. For the most part. And like, you know, I don't think they did anything bad, but I think just personality right there. I'm just being a fucking Grinch towards them. And it's like, I don't like doing that. I'm like, no, I need to stop. I don't know why. I don't know why I like desire to be. But me and the Papa Steve did play a mean game of freaking cornhole. So <laughs> how much you ever want in a game of cornhole? <laughs> I'm just like, we learned the rules of cornhole and then we were just playing like a good game and Papa Steve whipped my ass. But I'm sitting there. It's like, everyone's whipping my ass a fucking cornhole. <laughs> I'm like, so like, dude, I'm not sure if I'm good at this game. If I want to put time. Also, Bo- good friend Boat Seal made me freaking Mr. Hot or not make me help set up a fucking projector screen in the living room and shit. Oh, and stuff too. So I had to like figure out how to use the fucking laser level, but also get a normal level and shit. And if I can measure out how much fucking feet off the ground, he wants the fucking projector. And that's the thing also with the buyers too, because we're like sitting there, it's like running lanes, like we're just going to go drive home on Christmas day. And it's like, uh, oh, I just want to be, it's like, this part was like, come on, be with my friends and like, hang out. We can just leave early in the morning next day or something. But they're just like, no, we're leaving tonight. And I'm just like, Oh, can I just get a game on this fucking projector? This $300 projector screen and the $700 projector that fucking, I took like a good hour to fucking like use my contractor, my fucking handyman <laughs> skills to fucking set up. So yeah, I was like, yeah, that for free. Yeah. Let me fucking play a couple games of Mario Kart on this. But no, we had a pretty awesome fucking road, like freaking um, roast where they just got like some fucking New York strip slice of like beef and they had that like roasting out. Oh, nice. So it was like all nice and pink in the middle. They made a, like homie Aaron made a freaking roux sauce that was roux gravy sauce that was delicious and fucking there was like, yeah, like green bean casserole, mashed taters, stuffing, Hawaiian street rolls. It was a good, no, it was a good dinner and stuff. We had a good brekkie in the morning 
and gifts I got. I got some pretty tight gifts. So I got this one goofy fucking Instagram gift where it's like the little like aroma like water vapor candle thing where it looks like there's a little flame going on on like decorate decorative piece. So I'm going to I got that. And I'm like, you know, what? I'll put that on my fucking desk at, at work or so right next to my two like tip wine bottles. Yeah, I got like these two waddle two wine bottles that my customers tip me with. I see. So I, I, I don't drink. So I use them as decorative pieces on my fucking desk. That's kind of cool. A, yeah, pretty nice. And I guess I got this. And Bone still gave me also this fucking like set of like not a chirp wheel, but basically the same thing as a chirp wheel, like freaking yoga rollers or so. So which comes in like three variants of three different sizes and like in difference in pressure or just good stretch out my back. I'm like, oh, this is so sick. Then I think I got some HelloFresh cars, some snacks and stuff. It was literally just, yeah, I know. We were like, a lot of homies got a lot of gifts, and we're just kind of hanging out, munching out and shit, so. Very nice. Yeah, no, it was a good Christmas for the most part. As I said, it was just like, I just know to drive back, I fucking was mad, because, like, freaking, I just didn't, like, I know we're leaving that night, but part of me was like, dude, I just want to hang out in the back, charge my phone, maybe just watch some Initial D, just kind of not fucking drive. But instead, I get asked, hey, can you drive? And literally, the driver of the car is, like, fucking awake the whole time, more than I am. Yeah. And I'm sitting there, I was like, I'm like, <laughs> like, I'm, like, crashing out, but I'm like, we're 30 minutes away. I don't feel like bothering making you drive. Because he's making me and his fucking dad drive, and I know his dad's cl- clocking out in the back, too, so it's like, well, fuck, I might as well power through. Maybe maybe fucking good Fred Dylan doesn't feel, like, okay enough to drive. Oh, look, he's fucking, wa- he's fucking wide awake as a fucking cherry. Why the fuck am I driving? Wide awake as a cherry? Yeah, yeah, I just put on my fucking headphones and angrily just drove. I want to throw on some fucking Wrestling Observer podcast, but I know it would make me too sleepy. Mm-hmm. So I, I also did the fucking... Our, or C.A.R. on the fucking trip, too. I'm trying to do the C.A.R. Oh, yeah. where I'm, like, fucking listening, like, Dylon bumping all this fucking, yeah, me a space, gate creeper, Iron Regan, and I'm just sitting there, I was like, dude, I'm trying to fucking listen to this, like, mediocre Metallica, bro. <laughs> I'm just like, whatever. And obviously, Dylan's like, oh, are you okay? And I'm just like, yeah, I'm fine. He's like, are you sure? I'm just, uh, I just see with the headphones, and it's like, you know, I'm sitting there, I was like, wow. I was like, I just want to be insecure to make sure. It's like, whoa, I kind of just don't want to deal with anyone right now. I kind of don't like this situation. I just want to go home and fucking sleep. Super sleep. It was one of those days where I'm just like, you know what? Fuck the world. I quit. <laughs> but I can't right now because I'm too far away from home. Oh, I feel those days. Let me tell you. All right. But you no, know, other than that, Christmas was good. Yeah, that's Just good. to drive back, I don't know why I was unnecessarily angry and wanted el- wanted to be fuck all else. I'm very fortunate that the last few Christmases have been good because last... Uh, oh, pre- thankfully, yeah. Pretty much since 2012, Christmas has been rough because that's when uh, we had a like loss of in the family, but it was like one of those like cornerstones. And, and you know, once that happened, thing everyone just kind of... That's when everyone really kind of like went their own separate ways. But the last... This Christmas included, the last two or three Christmases have been, been really good. So I'm every year, little by little, I get a little bit more of my Christmas spirit back, which is which is good. I like Christmas. I like Christmas music. I'm not saying I love it, but I'm not like a lot of the people I work with are like, I hate Christmas music. Why are they sending us Christmas product in August? And it's like, because that's retail. <laughs> and I'm just sitting. No, no. I fucking had a moment, too, because like fucking Thomas like came up with a good friend. Thomas came up with a fucking Christmas playlist to play out. 
throughout the day. It's a lot of this fucking bad metal, fucking like ha ha lol Christmas songs. <laughs> I'm so like, this shit's fucking. Oh, like t- the Chuck Billy Vision I get of Silent Night, fucking something like that. Yeah, or these like, Silent or there's some bad night. fucking deathcore songs. Like, I don't want to listen to this. Fuck, dude, give me Mariah Carey. Give me Bean Crosby. Literally, give me Mariah Carey is all I want for Christmas right now, please. I don't need to listen to the tw- like Twisted Sisters you make 12 you guys Days watch of Christmas. Fro- Do you make you guys watch Frozen? No, we didn't watch any Christmas movies. Okay. Yeah. Because like, Thomas always makes sure to watch Frozen at Christmas. Well, maybe at some point like years ago. I don't know what, but I can tell you like Frozen was not on that day. Okay. All right. We should get in the hot or not since we do have a long show ahead of us. Okay. Uh. All right, let me get Mr. Hot or Not's fucking message to us and see what they said. Señor Caliente. Señor Caliente. If I can fucking get the goddamn messages. But yeah, what's good, what's good, what's good. Fucking can't get to the goddamn messages. Dope radio, you guys. Oh, I know. Fucking great radio with me trying to get this fucking voice. Right, I'm sure it's just somehow Jake's fault. Oh, yeah, sure, Jake's fault. <laughs> well, I'm having a thing where I guess this fucking link like was kind of funky. But all right. Mr. Hot or Not, what do we have for today? All right, so this is a collaboration between Simple Plan and uh, Sum 41. Oh, I think that this right here is a good example of how to not be hella cringe and <laughs> suck when you when your band gets old and you know, you've been doing it for 25 years. This is a perfect example of uh, aging gracefully in a genre, all right? Because all these guys are in their probably mid to late 40s, been at it for, you know, 25 plus years. And this is a good example, I think, of just still putting out strong, good material uh, this far into your career. So check it out. All right. And then we said, this is how to not be cringe. But you said, sim- I'm oh, simple plan, whatever. But you said simple plan with some 41. Yeah. Check it. I used to lie awake. Why does every pop punk singer sound like this? <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like it should be an Avril Lavigne song. Okay, now this sounds like 2004. Yeah, James, chug that water. Sorry, I was fucking thirsty, all right? (laughs) The whole time he was silent, he was drinking water. I'm trying to. I know you asked like a question for a second. He's like, hey, why does this sound like 2004? I'm like, I don't know. I was like, sit there, let me drink some water. But yeah, no, this is some bo- this is a fucking bone steel right here. You guys have heard of butt rock? This is bone rock. Bone rock? Yeah, it's a new term. I just thought of it. Oh, sorry, I'm just like trying to burp. Yeah, yeah he's not groaning. He's I trying like, to burp. I try. I feel like I should have some more commentary on this. All right, well, I try to remember. If Simple well, plan I mean, old. Is Simple Plan old? I think they formed like. To they, I well, like some 41's old, yeah, they're old. I and feel, I feel like Simple Plan formed in like the early 2000s, they form in the 90s. I don't know, so you know what? Either way, 
So yeah, this fuck, is fuck. Which singer is this? I think this is some forty one lad. Okay, but yeah, I don't know. This does sound like some aging, decrepit pop punk bros from the two thousands. I mean, it doesn't. Oh this my god, Simple awesome. Plan's been around since nineteen ninety nine. All right. So the singer is named Pierre Bouvard. So all right, they're definitely two thousands pop punk boys. Isn't Simple Plan the one that did the theme song to What's New Scooby Doo? You remember? What's New Scooby Doo? We're coming after you. <laughs> Yo, look that up. Yeah, yeah okay. I think Are it we is Simple a Plan. fucking Scooby Doo theme right now with some 41. <laughs> now, the question is has this aged gracefully? You know, it's not bad. I'm not hating it so far. Well, this is like I've only we got far, worse. This is far from offensive. Oh, did you watch the Todd in Shadows video I sent? It is Simple Plan. Ah, Which one? The one I sent. To you about like earlier today. Earlier today. Oh, where's his, oh, where's, I didn't, yeah, his worst songs of 2020. His worst songs of 2022. You know, I totally. I was gonna look at that on my lunch, but I was trying to power through this goddamn JCVD movie. Oh. I didn't get a chance. So, you had so much time to watch it. I okay. I had so much time to watch it too, but I keep fucking. You up. were watching it when I showed up. Yeah, because I fucking ended up wearing a nap today. I think I really wanted to get some sleep. Instead of like really putting in time to watch some JCVDs. I can't, I hate it. My bed's fucking comfortable, okay? It fucking sucks. I eat a fucking machado burrito and I relax out and I end up fucking wearing a nap for two hours, alright? Fucking, fuck me. Alright, but now, the song I call Ruin My Life. As I tell you how my life's ruined by me wanting to sleep. No, how your life's ruined by having a comfortable bed. Oh, yeah, your life's awful. Oh, no, it's so awful. I got a nice, comfortable bed with a weighted blanket that I'll fucking just snuggle up and just fucking end up crashing out, so. All right, so. That song was inoffensive. Yeah, that's. I don't even think it was bad. Yeah, it's good. You but know, now. Is it hot or not? What do you, what do you say? Like, do you feel like you're going to sit there and say, I want to see fucking simple plan, and oh, my God, Derek from Sub 41's coming off. Oh, they're going to play that new banger. Do you have that level of energy going I mean, in? they play the What's New Scooby-Doo theme song live sometimes. So in that case, I would be down to see Simple Plan. Um, yeah, but you're like gambling on if they actually do play that song. True. Uh, I mean, okay. So we have now, a, for we, old we, pop punk heads. Though. I was going to say, we have a lot. We've listened to a lot of songs here where we're like, eh. That's all right, but we wouldn't say it's not because it's just okay. This is one where it's okay, but I would lean more towards it being hot than more hot than not because, you know, it's okay. It's inoffensive, but you know what? It was catchy and fun. It, it was it was simple. Didn't overstay its welcome. There was no bullshit. So I would give this one a not. Uh, I mean, a hot. I, mean, uh, I, I meant to say a hot, yeah. Well, I think you got my answer, Rob. Just sitting there and like, <laughs> eh, I kind of just don't care. Not. Okay, well, that's fine. I'm going to give it a not. I just don't like sitting there. It's like, eh, it's okay. Nothing for me to like really like go all, like, all fucking at home, go home about. I used to. <laughs> I used to. Oh, when you know. You could cut ties with all the lies. Yeah, I know. That's third eye blind. <laughs> I would understand. They all fucking sound the yeah, same. Yeah, you're not making the case any better. This is kind of like saving of the same. Yeah, and the only thing is, is that the Sum 41 guy sounds like he smoked a couple cigarettes. <laughs> well, he definitely did fucking party pretty hard. I think he was like dating Paris Hilton at one point. Yeah. 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 The fucking bumper. Yeah. Our fucking bumper. I know. All right. So we're going to pause. I'm going to get some time stamps and then we'll get into the CAR. Sounds good. All right. To the CAR. What we listen to today? 
We listen to Metallica's Reload. Usually it's, I'm a little bit more smoother having like it set up right now. I don't know why. Uh, this is their seventh. Wait. Yeah. Seventh record. Yeah. yeah Black Album's fifth. So Load would have been six. And then, yeah, Reload would be seventh. Well, and this was like done at the same time as fucking. Ooh. All right. So here's the first one. This is Fuel. Uh, you you probably know what this song is, though. Uh, yeah, so in a if word... If you listen to Metallica, I'm sure you at some point have like came across this song. Um, I'll be up front. I love this song. This is a way better intro than Ain't My Bitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I just think this song is a bunch of cheesy fun. I gave this one an 8. It's a really good song, good opener, and it kicks ass live. So, for me, I wrote down, this song doesn't suck. 7 out of 10. And you know, I generally do like this song because it's a casually fun song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From, and it was fun as fuck to play on drums on guitar. Like, out of Metallica. the fucking load era, I don't know what's up with the song. Like, this is some total, like, fucking settled in Metallica cheese. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously, like, you gotta think lyrical themes where it come from. This is literally homies talking about cars. Did he write this about Initial D? <laughs> no, we were, we were talking about it uh, off, off audio, but... Yeah, no, this song's great. I totally stand by my eight. I, you, I would honestly totally be open to debate if this is the best song from the Load era, just because it's one of the only ones they play. Over a fucking what? Where's your crown, King? They play that inconsistently, but yeah, I like the song. Yeah, you know what? So yeah, you gave it eight. I gave it a seven. All right, let's go on to the next one. So now, he says it right here. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, so I gave this one a seven, probably. Sometimes this song's weird with me. Sometimes I'm really in the mood for it because it is catchy. I like the music and riffs and you know a uh, memorable chorus. But sometimes I'm not in the mood for it. But it's I get I stand by the seven. I mean these are this and low are in fuel are the only two songs they play off this fucking album, which means they play more songs off this record than they do load. Which is the better record because fuck me, right, guys? Uh, but yeah, I, I, I stand by this as a seven. I don't think it's as good as Fuel, but it's good. So, for mostly just the verse that we have listened to right now, I have a very stupid comment where I wrote down <laughs> Soundgarden Talica. This does not sound that much like Soundgarden. Well, I'm saying the verse. Oh, yeah, maybe. A little bit ish. It's a dumb, it's a dumb comparison. But I wrote down, you know what? I give it a light 7 out of 10. It's a super hooky chorus, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then the calm response they do live where they do that da 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 oh, yeah. da Yeah, you it's know what? <laughs> this basically a double record. This is for sure one of the yeah, quote-unquote diamonds. Yeah, think about it. This song and Fuel are the only songs they play off these two records consistently. Yeah. And I think Load has better songs. So, yeah, that, that's why I was like, fuck me, right, guys? I know, fuck you. But now this one, Devil's Dance. Ooh, that bass tone. Okay, so I give this one a six. So, like, there's, like, five or so songs off this album that people consider a hidden gem besides, like, Fuel and Memory and stuff. And the next song, I think. Um, I think this song's okay. I like the bass tone, but when I listen to this song, it just kind of sounds like a more up, like uh, like a more upbeat version of God That Failed. It's inoffensive. It's got a cool solo section, but eh, it's all right. It's, I, I stand by a six. Maybe a low six, but six nonetheless. All right. I wrote down, like, this one's a slow burner. 
but it has a pretty funny-ass slide guitar solo. Yeah. I give it a 5 out of 10. But this song just goes on for a minute, and it does not go anywhere. That's the thing. Load has one extra song, and I think it's like longer by like five or so minutes, but this record feels way longer than Load. I think. All right, so next one. The Unforgiven 2. Hey, wait a minute. This sounds just like the first one. Did you play the first one by accident? Uh, wait. Oh, oh my God. It's a different song you got. Ish. Okay, so if you had it's asked. It's different ish. If you had asked me like five years ago, I would have said this song's like a low, a high eight or a low nine, but now I think it's a seven. I couldn't tell you why, but for some reason, I just kind of was. I just kind of grew distant from the song as I got older because, you know, I was younger, so I was like, yeah, it's like the first one, but it's more hard rock. But I think as I got older, because I love The Unforgiven anyway. Yeah, The Unforgiven's like so good. That's what I mean. Like, I already love The Unforgiven one, but as I got older, I just started appreciating the first one, like, even more. And this one, it just feels a lot like an unnecessary retread. Like, Unforgiven 3 sounds nothing like Unforgiven 1 and 2. So I feel like... I mean, this part's all right. It's kind of country, whatever. But, you know, the chorus is literally just from the first one. But there's more electric guitar. So maybe the retread killed it for me over time. I can still stand by my seven. I'm probably talking like I think it's a five. But I do think it's a good song. It's just way well, not as good so- as... Yeah, they literally based the song off another really, really good song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I still stand by my seven, but... Way not as good as the first one. <laughs> uh, what's your thoughts? Well, here's the thing. I like the rehash. Yeah, my notes aren't too like in depth, but like as a rehash, I think it's fine. They're literally working off like the first. Oh no, song. it is fine. But if anything, also they like how they rehash the song is also they swap it because Unforgiven is like a song where oh, it had yeah. like very thick sounding cor- like verses, but once the chorus hit, it steps down and like quiets out. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It like makes you like casually listen into more. So like this one, it flips over. It this basically is almost like the same song, but in reverse. Yeah. Like it's not bad. No, no, no. Like honestly, this song seems too good for this record at times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's um like I said, I still stand by it being a seven. It's just that this is a good song, but I forget one's a great song. You know what I mean? But yeah. Alright, let's get on to the next one. You be there! No, 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 no. I'm the one that waits for you. I'm the unforgiven too. All right, so here's the next one. Better than you. Okay, this is another one that a lot of people that like this record seem to like. Um, I get, I think it's catchy, and when it comes in, I think it's chunky and it's fun. But like, I don't know, bro. I don't know about you. This feels like really hardcore filler. Like it's almost not even funny. I gave it a six because I'm like, yeah, this is still good, but it's it's not a favorite of mine. It's like I hear it and I'm like, yeah, this is a good song. This is a song. It's a good song, but that's about it. So for me, obviously the song has a little bit more energy. It's very filler, but I wrote down, you know what? It's fun filler. Yeah. yeah. Compared to some of the other songs that's on this record. So I give it a light six out of ten. Mostly, I feel like it's fun because it's has a little excitement and energy. Yeah. Because there's I a lot of things a lot of these songs are in. They're kind of slow burns. Yeah. And plus, yeah, I like the chunk. What the... Yeah, it's, it's not bad. Yeah, you know what? 
Uh, there's worse songs. Definitely. No, here's Slither. So I guess I give th- I guess I give this one a better six. Oh yeah. Well, I couldn't go down to the fives just yet, and I do think it's better. Really? Than the, I do think it's better than the last song. I do think I like this one better than better than you. And like, okay, so it starts out rough, okay. But I think once it gets go, okay, that riff is doing it no favors. But when it come all comes in, I think the song grows on you. It's a bit of a bit of a burner. Um, this is one of those songs where the lyrics sound cool until you read them and you're like, you're just like, what? But yeah, huh? it, it's good enough to be good. Is that a compliment? It's good enough to be good. Anyway, yeah, okay. Mid to low six, I guess. Here's the thing. I wrote down. Yeah, this is some load era Metallica. Five out of ten. <laughs> That's kind of it. I don't like hey! this. Tyler. <laughs> he's having fun. You, yeah, I guess so. You can tell he's having fun. All right. Carpe Dem Baby. Carpe Diem Baby. Carpe Diem Baby. Okay. Um. Oh, okay. I, I thought it was skipping. So I wrote here. And here's the dip. Oh, this is a five. I heard this intro. I was like, no, no, I'm good. So yeah, five. That's all I really have to say. I find myself bored with this song. I just wrote down this song just goes on forever. <laughs> five out of ten. See, I feel like the songs I liked from Load at least like went places most of the time and like evolved. But these kind of all just stay in one spot. Yeah, these are kind of chilling, kind of feeling like some B-sides low key. Now, here's the next one. Bad Seed. Okay, I'm going to be completely honest. It's still a five, oh. but this is a high five. Oh, um, yeah? Listen, the lyrics are whatever. This is totally filler. But I th- I really think like the main riff and verse section when it comes in was... Ca- Wait, listen, listen. Bad. It's catchy. Bam, bam, bam. It's yeah, and listen, maybe I would have given this a six, honestly, if the last few songs weren't so blah. But I, th- I actually think this is a good song, so I, I give it a high five. Maybe you call, maybe this is what they call a guilty pleasure. It might be a guilty pleasure, but I like it. I wrote down this is some red state butt rock. <laughs> I also low key have been thinking right now, I was like, dude, I can imagine Brett Michaels making the song. I'm letting that destroy you right now. Fucking hate you. What do you what do you score it? Light five out of ten. Okay, so we're mostly in the creeds. Yeah, dude. Let this fucking banger be played by fucking no, Jackal. Not, no, no, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> he wouldn't have made it this good. Alright. So the next one is Where the Wild Things Are. Isn't that a child's book? Yeah, it was by some dude named last name Sendak. I had that book when I was a kid. It was fucking trippy. But um so now I ended up giving this one a lower five. Um, I do like, I, I ended up giving it a lower five for some reason, even though my next sentence I wrote here is, um, even though my next sentence is this song is boring. Like they do some stuff with the chorus medley that I think is different and interesting. And this song actually sounds like they're trying to do something different as it goes and evolve, especially on this record, specifically Rila, which has been very samey. I didn't care for the result, like a lot, 
but I guess I liked it enough to rank it to rank it the same number but a little lower metaf- spiritually than Bad Seed. So what was your score? Sorry, I was facing out. Oh, uh, I, I, ga- I gave it a lower five. Well, I wrote down this song as a slow burner. A light five out of ten. I don't feel like it hit the four. But here's the thing. The songs don't hit a four territory. But there's a lot where I'm like, eh, it's fine. But it's not pissing me off. Yeah. That, Didn't you give a song off the first one alone? Did you give Ronnie a four? I gave a couple songs a four. Yeah. Like, a lot of the songs are pissing me off or making me fall asleep. Like, yeah, this is a slow burner, and I'm sure I was kind of falling asleep, but I wasn't full of, like, piss and vinegar. And, yeah, I was listening to this on that fucking bullshit drive home, so I had a little bit of piss and vinegar in me. That's what I'm saying. I told you that fucking trip ruined your perception of load. The first one? Yeah. Nah, nah. No, Prince Charming. What do yeah, you guys say? I, yeah, I gave this one a four. You hate Prince Charming? This song feels like if Metallica wrote a glam song, and I think that's gross. <laughs> listen to it. Just listen to the song structure. When it comes in, it's... I'm listening. I'm like, convince me, because I rated this higher than what you have. Like, honestly, hearing it, remember how you said, oh, bad scene look sounds like Brett Michaels? This sounds like Poison would have wrote this. What, CC? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it would have pissed off my mom. <laughs> he busts into eruption. That, That's me. <laughs> that sounds like some Brett Michaels shit that Brett would have done. Here's the thing. I wrote down, this is some energetic filler, though. Here's the thing about these loads. There's so many slow songs. And then they really bore me. Like, this doesn't bore me, though. I needed a, this gave me a little bit of life. I you are a, the same as we were in high school. All you need is a little speed, and suddenly you care. Ah, yeah. I give it a light That's the reason why you like punk rock. Hey, I give it a light six out of ten. I like you some. You gave this a six? A light. Like, I don't feel. You could say a high five, sure. But I don't know. This ain't a fuck you for. I didn't hate this. No, this is a fuck you four. Fuck you four is maybe a regular four or a low four. This is a high four. I just, I just, for some reason, I, I don't care about that. I don't care for the song. Like, this isn't too offensive for me. Yeah, but for Metallica. Metallica shot themselves in the foot when they released Load. <laughs> we're past that point. I thought you were about to say, I thought you were going to say they shot themselves in the foot when they released the Black Album. No. <laughs> I'm like, we're past the Black Album. Do you suspect anything really great to come out of these? Well, I thought there was great stuff on Load. Yeah, but I don't suspect and great records. And the first records. two songs on this record are good. And The Unforgiven's good. Yeah. Bad Seed. Oh, well, you really like Bad Seed. Well, I don't know why. I think I like Bad Seed the way you like Prince Charming. Well, I'm, maybe. <laughs> Whatever. Butt Rock, Talica, I'm fine with. Glam Talica, everybody. Dude. Bro, they got Bob Rock. He fucking produced Motley Crue. Well, yeah, but he produced Dr. Feelgood. Yeah. I don't know why I thought that would help my argument, but yeah, he produced Dr. Feelgood. Whatever, let's go to the next one. Yep. Low Man's Lyric. So uh, what do you think about this one? I'm sorry, for some reason that, that solo, that soul opening note made me laugh. So this is a weird one. This is like a ballad jam, weird, like, avant-garde hybrid. It's like a country, like, epic it's probably what i wrote here this is probably what the unforgiven 2 should have been instead of just being a rehash 
<sighs> you probably won't be able to like tell because this intro lasts for a oh, while. Yeah, no, 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 this one goes <sighs> on for a minute. But there is that there is actually really like there is good music in this song. Um, if you um, if you have the patience for it, um, yeah, I think it's okay. It doesn't evolve a lot, but it's it's not the most boring they've done. Like I say, you just gotta have a little patience for it. But for it being this late in the record, I could totally understand if if you know you hear this and you're just like, yeah, I, I would, ju I just want to skip it. But yeah, it's okay. Uh, I gave this one a five because. I liked it better than the last song, but it's still nothing amazing. So here's the thing. This is a weird and subdued song. Yeah. Because out of anything, like, here's the thing. Out of, like, slow Metallica songs, this is definitely, as you said, very, like, avant-garde. Yeah. And you go like, okay, this is kind of weird. I give it a high five out of ten. Honestly, it could be lower, but I'm in a fine mood when I listen to this song. Yeah, it's not a bad song. Like, I don't hate it. I think it literally was, like... If Metallica, like, if you're going to go, like, left field from what you're doing, they commit to going left field. And this is one of those songs, they honestly commit to it. Yeah, yeah. Everything else is they're still trying to be maybe that touch Metallica. Yeah. This is like... This is going to be hard. I'm like, this is like, this is a little weird. But you know what? Out of everything else, at least they committed to going weird. It shows that they had Lulu in them the whole time, guys. Oh, yeah. Okay, Lula, I think, might be weird on a different reason. Well, yeah, because they threw in Lou Reed, <laughs> who is weird. He basically invented avant-garde with the, with the, as we know it in music with the Velvet Underground and Nico. For sure. All right, let's get on to the next one. Yeah. Attitude. Yeah, we're, uh... I know this, uh, is, I know this is a bit of a faster one, uh -huh. but yeah, for me, we're back to a four. There are several songs. High four or four four? Um, I didn't. I didn't write. I think I gave it a high four. Like there are several songs on this record. Never mind the first love. There are several songs on this record that sound a fucking lot like each other, and I just don't really. I, I've heard this song. I've heard this song on this record. I've heard this song on the last record. And I've been kind of boardish for almost six songs now oh, with yeah. some ups and downs here and there. And this song, th this song, these riffs do not do it any favors. So I give it a, I give it a whatever. I, I gave it a high four. All right. For me, I wrote down that this is some B-side schlock, but it's fun. High five out of ten. I can't believe you like this better than low. I you did this to spite me. I don't know why this record made me like the I don't know why, but I generally felt like the experience of reload, I preferred it more than my experience with load. I don't know why, I don't know how. Here's the thing, for sure. You can say load was elite was like is the least safe in direction musically compared to reload. Reload was more safer. Yeah, yeah. I'll say I'll it's say the safer that, yeah. of the two. But honestly, it feels like it's a bunch of B-sides. And the thing is, a lot of the songs on both records are fine on their own. But when you listen to them all the way through in one album, it's like, fuck, this goes on forever. Yeah. So As a, I don't know. I don't hate this. I like this butt rock Metallica. Yeah, so I give it a high five out of ten. Well, good for you. I know, good for me. How dare we have varying opinions? Where we go like, yeah, listen to Load over Reload. I'm like, oh, no. I had a oh, better man. experience listening I to Reload over Load. Can't fucking wait to get to some kind of monster insane anger next time. Please. 
That's going to be weird. Are we going to have Jake on for that? I don't know. We can contact Jake. Jake's actually going to be in town this week. And Ooh. Oh, shit. You have Saturday off, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, that depends if I could get the fucking shit done during this week. Knock on wood. I'm checking my work schedule. Well, checking the trouble tickets coming in. And it's looking a little slow. I see. Like tomorrow, my first job, it looks like all I got to do is see why is the Ethernet not plugged in. That could be various reasons. Or it could just be not plugged in. <laughs> I see. And that sounds like a pretty easy job. Wait, did I tell you the fucking job this week, like my last week, where I literally came in and the guy's like, "Yeah, my internet's down." And I walked in, and was like, "Yeah, you have your router unplugged." What? He was fucking old. He is like old and like this is like old where it's like I don't need to bother learning technology. Old, oh, but he really? literally had the router unplugged, and he was mixing up our router with this old AT&T modem. That I'm like, wait, are you using this? And he's like, I don't know. This is DirecTV, right? No, the, I think that might be DirecTV. The DirecTV box. Do you want me to unplug this? Make sure you're good. No, no, just leave it. Well, here, give me a Sharpie. Let me write SurfNet in big letters on my on our router so you know what to fucking fuck with next time I'm here. <laughs> it was an easy job. <laughs> It was an easy job. You don't say. But I low-key did not have the patience for the homie, like, slow-learning bullshit. I literally just got him going. I didn't even want to stay there any much longer. I just got him going, kind of asked him some questions. I'm like, I don't want to... I don't have the patience right now. I kind of want to just get the fuck out of here. Because I can have a fucking work day where I don't have to fucking, like, work... Be, like, going home late. Because I'm stuck working overtime. Oh, yeah, but now, back to what we actually talking about Metallica. Fixer. There's another. There's a lot of other people's like like hidden gems from this record. They feel like this song is one of their underrated greats, kind of like Outlaw or Torn or Hero of the Day from the last record. Now I'm gonna be honest. I like this song. I gave it a six. I don't think it's as good as the best from Low, but I liked. But but I liked it enough. I was like, you know what? Okay, this is good. Like it's totally more the same in some areas, but it's better than some of the songs that it sounds like. If that makes sense. So yeah, I walked away liking Fixer. Alright, so here's this song about Fixer. At first, right now, this is my, this is my final score. I gave it a 4 out of 10. Oof. Why? Because it's 13 songs in. It's 11 at night when I heard this. So I wrote down this is not starting promising. And yeah, this song is unnecessary and slow. But listening to it lyrically, there's a good fucking lyrical flow. But this just feels like some total load era Metallica. <laughs> you gave it a 6. And I'm not the biggest fan of it, but you know what? I'll give it a 5 out of 10. Not a 4 out of 10. How about that? Yeah, that's fair. No fuck you for <laughs> No fuck you for I think I was just like sitting there and it's like, it's too late right now. And I fucked this song. Yeah, you know what? This ain't too bad. No, no. There's a reason why it's considered a lot. Why, why people call it a gem. So. Overall on this record, what's your overall score? I don't out do overall a, score. Out of a score of 130... I gave mine got um, a seventy four. So like, at the end of it all, now that we've gone through it, and now that you've heard these records for the first time, I think. Yeah. What's uh, what's your thought on load on load Talica? So let me tell you about load Talica, load era Metallica. Kind of on the same issue when uh, Guns N' Roses uh, released out fucking Use Your Illusion. 
Couldn't you just oh, man, put all oh, the bangers? Oh. Can't you grab all the bangers? Because we know these are all written at the same time. Yeah. Could you just grab the bangers from each record? You would have had a so much better record. I'm just saying, you can have the good songs off this one and the good songs on the last one. It'd be a way better fine record. But there's a lot of just slow songs where you didn't need to do that. And yeah. we didn't need no Ronnie. Hell, fuck. <laughs> Here's the thing. You could go 12 songs, I'm sure, with all the good songs. Obviously, I feel like nine songs with all the bangers. I feel like, you know what? It wouldn't be as good as Black Album, but it wouldn't have been such a big drop-off coming It off wouldn't have been album. such a controversial talking point. Yeah. And then plus the imagery changed at the time, like, here's too. Here's the thing. You know, Metallica, you could just drop a B-Sides record, too. If you really, really want to keep those songs. They were clearly but instead, in they were trying to structurally make these albums sound with each other that they could actually be fine records. I'm like, no. Put all your good songs on one record. If you desire to drop B-Sides, you can just drop B-Sides. Yeah, that's why, uh, that's why when they did Death Magnetic, that's why they released that EP like a year later, Beyond Magnetic, with four songs that didn't make the cut. And you listen to them, and it's like, yeah, these are fine songs, but it's a good thing you didn't put them on the record. Yeah, it would have been too long of a record. <laughs> I think Metallica learned from this experience, it sounds and like. clearly, they're interested in the idea of B-sides and rarities and whatever, because you, know you know what they did before Reload or before or after the loads? They did the Garage Days revisit, which was like two or three discs of B-sides and rarities. I thought the Garage Days was just mostly them doing covers. No, not the Garage Days EP that they did with Jason when they no, first no, got no, the No, 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 no. You're talking about Garage Days. Yeah, yeah, where they did like the Merciful Fate uh, medley, medley and stuff. Yeah, that's a cover, right? Well, yeah, yeah. it's a cover of various Merciful Fate songs. But yeah, everything else is mostly covers. Yeah. Free Speech for the Dumb or Turn the Page. Yeah. I accidentally just clicked on right now. Turn the Page. Yeah, wait, wait is Whiskey in the Jar not a cover song? No, it is, but it wasn't released on um it wasn't released on that. Yeah, dude, there's like literally two fucking discharge songs on this. Did you put on their Turn the Page? Cover? Yeah, I accidentally clicked on it. Because I clicked on Garage Inc. And I'm like, wait, no, this is mostly covers. Hey, is this just the Unforgiven 2? Oh, no, could be. No, I'm just kidding. So I look at the load era and like I appreciate I always appreciate when an artist wants to try new things and when they and when they really lean into it. So I, I, I appreciate their commitment to like, you know what? We've been away for like five years. So let's put out these records just chocked full with music. We're going to super produce them. We're going to uh, in wrestling terms, we'd say we're going to overbook them because that's what they said. They they wrote these songs and they just produced the shit out of them as much as they could, you know, to make them everything they could be. Which is why initially with St. Anger, they said they wanted to go for more of a stripped down approach. Yeah. Um, and I totally get that. And I really think there's some underappreciated aspects of the records. I, I think similar to what I said about Black Album, I feel like the loads show what kind of that, how good of musicians they are. But specifically, I think the loads show like, how more how versatile they are because you throw on black album and sure it's not a thrash metal album but it's still a There's metal a it's of, still a metal album it's a fucking you yeah, here's the thing black album is pretty sick because it like believe me when you're coming off like injustice for all after listening to other metallica albums it that one wears you down a black album just feels more refreshed because yeah. a lot of the songs get to the fucking point <laughs> and that was maybe the peak of their like songwriting yeah and that's actually how it's funny i was gonna point out next is they went forward 
but they also backtracked because they kept the songs simpler, you but mean, they made them longer. Like they kept the length of Injustice, but they still kept the simplicity of the Black album. And plus, like I was gonna say, yeah, that's not a good combo. At least the Black album, there's secretary that could keep your attention. There's only one really long song, and it's like the second to last one. Yeah, and like that—that's the part I was gonna say next is um, the. Um, Yo, you know, like, you throw on the Black Album and you, it's like, yeah, it's no thrash album, but it's still a metal album. You throw on Load and Reload and there's times where it's like, you know, there's metal elements, but this doesn't feel like a full on like metal, metal album. You what know is what it? I mean? I'm looking People at jokes that said, oh, it's like grunge or it's alternative, whatever. It's very alternative. Well, I mean, I won't deny his alternative influence, but yeah. So I, so I really think the loads are like, it shows, hey, we can do more than metal. I guess if you want to word it they, that way. They tried it. Yeah. But it doesn't, it's not like what you want with Metallica. You feel like you could, there's part of it's like maybe you guys could have just start a side project and do songs. No, like you this. can't do side projects. You have to be 100% committed. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's a trip though. I'm looking up SM's fucking track, like fucking like, you know, track list. Oh, thing. the first one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the first SM, like literally. So, you literally got, alright, like, Exia Gold, Call of Cthulhu, Master Puppets of Wolf and Man, the thing that should never be, and then literally, for fucking six songs straight, you literally got load songs. Fuel, <laughs> The Memory Remains, No Leaf Clover, Hero of the Day, Devil's Dance, Bleeding Me, and then, Nothing Else Matters. Actually, No Leaf Clover was written for that event. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought that was a load era song. No, that, that they wrote two or th- at least two, maybe three songs specifically for SM. So there's No Leaf Clover and Human. Those are the only two songs that don't come to mind. Yeah. Off like a record we've listened and to. And if you go on SM2, they still have like Memory Remains, Outlaw Torn, as well as. Um, I thought they had another one. No, okay, so they only had two, those two songs on there. So yeah, that's a trip with SM2. Wait, what's Confusion? That's off um, uh, Hardwired. So it's like, confusion. Yeah, okay. It's not my favorite off of Hardwired. Um, there's a couple songs off Hardwired I'm really kind of. What the fuck on. is this? Intro to Sethian Sweet and yeah, then Sethian Sweet are. Opus 20. Yeah, I don't the know. Enemy, the Enemy. What the fuck? I need to read out this long yet to see the title. The Enemy God and the I Dance know, I just know of that. the. Dark. Dark spirits. Well, ain't that a fucking mouthful? Well, these so these are classical orchestra pieces by like orchestra dudes, and for whatever. So it's reason, just the break it up where it's like, oh yeah, you know, there's an orchestra here. It's a little bit tall because like, alright, we're gonna go grab some water. You guys rip something real quick. Yeah. So and like the intro and then the sweet Opus Twenty in the Iron Foundry stuff is about like 10, tw- 10 12 minutes. Oh. I don't know what. You know, I like the intro of the memory you made. No, it's good. Fortune pain, mirror pain, God insane, but the memory remains. That's a good song. You know what? That gets me. It gets me. No, it's good. It's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. Still what, can't what? believe you liked Reload better than fucking Load. Maybe. You know, listen to Load again. Okay, you don't have to listen to Load again. But. No. I, can I save my energy for St. Anger? <laughs> oh, dude, that, that I'm ready. I'm going to need that. I'm going to need... I need all of it. That's going to be the good one. I, I've been taking a good long break <laughs> to handle the next like next weeks of abuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, at least once we make it through St. Anger, then I know we're in safe Metallica territory. 
What's not really, because we got Lulu after Death Magnetic. At least we got a break with Death Magnetic, <laughs> all right? I know that's a safe record. That's true. And, but these are, haven't been safe records. These are weird records. They are. All right, let me get the timestamp. We'll hop into the main event. Yep. All right, listeners, it's now time for the main event. Anyone uh, jumped in from the timestamps and missed out to the whole show? All right, Ed, what did we watch this week? We watched a movie starring starring basketball madman and NWO bad boy, Dennis Rodman. Oh, yeah. And the cocaine connoisseur himself, the Belgian badass, Jean-Claude Van Oh, they Damme. both consume co- cocaine. <laughs> so last time we watched the last on the last episode, we yeah. reviewed Space Jam. Yeah. So this time, when we we're trying to figure out movies that came out in 1997, we found this one. Yes. What made you decide to watch this one? <laughs> it's Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dennis Rodman. That's all I needed. So you're like, yo, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Dennis Rodman? You saw Sleepover Massacre and saw a man with a, with a fucking guitar drill? I saw Dennis Rodman and Jean-Claude Van Damme. That was all I needed, bro. Uh, okay, true. If we're going on that logic, then you had the right to choose this one. If I'm sitting there, it's like, yeah, I always I picked Sleepover Massacre too because the killer had stuff like, was playing an electric guitar with a drill that he was stabbing yeah. people with. I don't know why. Plus, John claude Van Damme. I want to know that dude's story. Plus, John claude Van Damme is a really bad actor, and he's really fun to watch. Oh, he's fun and hilarious to watch. This movie's also directed by the guy who directed the Once Upon a Time in China movies. Huh. And it's this movie's called Double Team. They don't play by the rules. That's what the tagline for the movie is under the poster. Hey, at least the promo, at least promotion of Dennis Rodman being the film he actually is in, predominantly, predominantly in the film. Yeah, he at least for half of it. He shows up, he disappears for a while, but when he comes back, he stays for yeah. a good bit. So we started with some op- okay. So there's opening credits, right? Of course, it's a movie, but not even five seconds after the first few opening credits, we hear narration of J- of Jean Claude Van Damme's character, a guy named get this name, everybody, Jack Quinn. Yeah, Mm. Jack Quinn of being told and paraphrasing Quinn, a bunch of plutonium got stolen. Go get that shit. Then we see him like get in this like transport dump truck and he jumps the truck through a building. Yeah, like literally I'm (laughs) I'm sitting upset my notes, letting the movie play. And I'm sitting there like, Jesus fucking Christ, we already got action. Homeboy just jacked a fucking truck and now he's already on a car chase. Like literally not even like maybe a minute in we're already with this fucking straight action in your face oh yeah he's driving through oil like trucks balls to the wall action not even subtle action yeah he's driving through oil trucks and blowing them up he has dudes chasing and shooting at him and he's then he's driving through a creek and then he jumps then he jumps the truck over an oncoming train i really tried to get better notes but this shit was going just boom 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 we had a whole action movie in like 10 seconds like literally we ha- we're having an action scene that's usually halfway through the movie or- <laughs> yeah. and he jumps his big ass truck over a train yeah he jumps it over a fucking train and then basically that's how he gets away and but then 3 years later yeah fades- i know 3 years later in france <laughs> yeah. Face the black. Three years later, France. I'm no, like, the south of France. Yeah, I'm like, what the fuck just happened? I'm like, well, okay. So Jack Quinn. Jack Quinn, or you just call him JCVD. Oh, yeah, I call him John claude JC. So he has a wife, and I'll summarize half my commentary and- with... <laughs> oh, sorry, I was just going to say, I'll summarize half my commentary with, oh, my God, the acting is bad. It's fucking hilarious. Get this dialogue. Oh, please. Catherine, you're... She's a sculptor. You're 
cow is in the way. And Captain, she goes, your cow is in the way. And he goes, it is not a cow. It's a swan. Koto fooled me. And here's the thing. We have a shirtless Van Damme out the shower. Yeah, of course we do. Dude, not not even like 10 minutes. We already got fucking balls to the wall chasing and yeah. now shirtless Van Damme. I know it hasn't been that long, but I feel like he's a little less jacked than he was in Bloodsport. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was way more jacked than Bloodsport. So she's like, but like that came out like nine years earlier. Oh, God, you're right. Yeah. So she's pregnant and they're super happy. You like, guys. I don't think this movie even had a freaking like theater release. This could have been direct to video. I know it didn't make a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> So an old friend of Quinn's, uh, JCVD, breaks onto his property, and we get we literally get the whole generic. Like literally, JCVD is trying to romance his lady and his yeah. preg- his pregnant old lady in the pool, and this dude comes up, and he's like, "Oh, I guess no one uses the front door or something." He's like, like "He's yeah. like, there's a back door, Jack. There's a back door, Jack." And he's like, "All right." He's like, "How did you find me? We never lost you." And he literally does the generic, "You're a hunter, Jack. You missed the game. We need you." He's like, and you just got like jaw claws like, no, I have pregnant wife. I don't want, I don't care. He, he, but we have Starvros. Yeah, he mentions, and they, he's mentioned like once in the pro, in the, in the twenty second entire action movie prologue. He's like, yeah, you know that Stavros guy? He's back. We Stavros. need you to get him. Yeah, come on, you're the only one that gets him. You're the only one that knows him. We're like, hey, at least not, not, at least we know. Hey, he's a badass. Yeah. He has a wife that's pregnant, but there's a dude that's like on his career that he wish he can catch. Yes. They are messing around and at least getting us what what goes on in the movie. Speaking of Stavros, we see him being transported by a CIA dude who all I can say is he talks shit to the guy. Then he gets out of the car, but then the car has a bomb in it and blows up. And Stavros walks away from the, the explosion as he puts on his sunglasses. Yeah, dude. He's Mr. Cool Guy. Doesn't look at explosions while walking away. But then we cut. Was to- it funny? I didn't even know who the actor was for Stravos at that moment. No, I did. I didn't. I I, I didn't look it up until after I was done with. Really, the- I know. I I know who it was once we get to like the major scene. Okay. I was like sitting there. I was like, I didn't know who Stravos was. He's most like some generic bad guy. But then eventually, as the movie goes, I'm like, oh, I know that fucking mug. Ah, oh, that's right. What, what else was he? Was he in? Don't we'll get there. Okay, sorry. So then we cut to Jason. Wait, you know, wait, you don't know who who played Stravos? I like totally. I like do, but I don't. Dude, it's Mickey Rourke. God, that is. I'm so, okay. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm used to Mickey Rourke kind of looking like shit. Like he looks like shit here. No, he looks like cool though. He's like all buff. He's got he's got short hair. Oh, you're used to very. You're looking like I'm talking. I'm talking like I'm talking like Iron Man two Mickey Rourke. I'm talking the wrestler Mickey Rourke. Oh yeah, that's what that was his like (laughs) his peak (laughs) of his like movie playing career. So then we cut to. Well, let's just say this is a fucking peak of his career. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. Rourke was ridiculous in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then we cut to JCVG walking through some like exhibit square place looking thing. He's looking for someone named Yaz. See, he, yeah, Yaz. See, he's in this I'm like ex- Yaz. He's in this exhibition place where like dominatrix and leather are like scuba diving. Here, I put it this way. Sure. We're in Antwerp at a progressive club. Sure. And JCVD thinks it, it thinks of an old, his old lady asking him for him to be back in thirty six hours. Then he goes to find was it Yaz? Yaz. Eventually, we run into Dennis Rodman. Yeah, 
He'll be, I, my exact notes are because he's going around going, "Have you seen Yaz? Do you know where Yaz is? Have he, you seen Yaz? Do op- you know where Yaz is?" He opens a curtain and getting a tattoo. I wrote here, "Jesus Christ, it's Dennis Rodman." Yeah, you're like, "Oh yeah, right, Rodman's in the movie." He's getting a tattoo, and oh my god, the acting, bro! Check this dialogue. Ugh. So he's getting a tattoo, and it, uh, when he turn when he turns around to look at JC, it, it gets messed up. So JC goes, "Oh." That looked like a heart. Then Dennis sticks his tongue out to reveal a tattoo on his tongue. He goes, that hurt. That hurt. So who are you? Who are you? I'm the man. (laughs) You? I hope you don't judge by appearances. Who does your hair? Siegfried or Roy? (laughs) And then he goes, last person who insulted my hair still trying to pull his head out of his ass. I don't want to know about your sex life. Like, what the is this i don't know <laughs> so anyway dennis takes it he's a he's a weapons guy right like, i did want to say though i'm not used to this young sounding dennis robin oh no i'm used to old fucking very incoherent dennis robin telling me how he broke his penis or he or listening to his podcast trying to save romance advice that's right i forgot he had that i've only listened to like really two episodes one with like this one couple where uh-huh. like the person didn't want only wanted her freaking boo to give give her anal <sighs> and then one where he had a he had co-host Ken, like porn star Kendra Lust oh, and they okay. were talking about like this one like South Florida com- couple where one's like this spooky goth girl that listens to black metal and like yeah she wants to have kinky sex with her man by like stabbing and slicing him and he's like no please no I remember listening to like, I'm like, wait, is this all the podcast? Like, hey, let's find the wackiest fucking couples that aren't having sex because of weird, extreme reasons. I'm like, I don't want to get fucking. He sounds like the late. perfect man for this podcast. Yeah, this is Dennis Rodman before he was in and out of rehab a lot. Yeah. So then he takes Dennis. So he's a weapons man, so he takes JCVD to his armory, and Dennis Rodman. Yeah, I'm gonna call him Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman is stacked the fuck up. I just wrote down like so. He's basically JCVD's Agent Q right now. Yeah, Dennis. Yeah, yeah NBA superstar Dennis Rodman playing fucking Q for James Bond. F- fucking more gun. Fucking more guns than uh than Pawn Stars Chung Lee. He walks in there and JC's like Santa's workshop. Santa's workshop. Nothing really, elves. Nothing really happens other than other than JC accidentally setting off a grenade. We don't even see him buy the guns. They go the they go there. They have some wacky dialogue. He accidentally pulls the pin on a coin, and Dennis is like, "Did you just pull that?" He's like, "Yeah." Throws the coin, it explodes, yeah, and then we cut to the, the next hole. scene. And then yeah. fire in the hole. Now we see JCVD in a meeting with this ragtag group of mercenaries. Oh my god! So they find out Stavros is going to show up the next day at amusement. Stavros. He gives this like big sniper rifle that's like that is quote unquote. Modify tushel tranquilizer rounds. <laughs> I'm just saying, JCVD's not good, is not a voice actor that I'm aware of. I feel like he has done a voice acting role. I, the only one I can think of. Do you remember Kung Fu Panda Two? Yeah, he was the crocodile. They even have a bit where the crocodile uh, beats up two bad guys by doing a split kick. <laughs> so he gives the uh, is this bit, the big sniper, which is modified to show tranquilizer rounds. To show tranquilizer rounds. This big crazy fuck you gun. He asked the lady if she can like, shoot. Who is my dead eye? Yeah. And so you got this like tough lady. Goes I am. Yeah. He's like, can you shoot him from two hundred yards away? She goes with this. I can shoot the dick off a hummingbird from two hundred yards away. Then he says, "Okay, lady." Then he said, "Then he says, 
I thought that was a bad line. Then JC says, he is like a snake. If you look in his eyes, he'll stab you in the back. What? <laughs> okay, Mickey. Okay, Mickey Rourke's got some moves then. So then we cut to the amusement park and his yeah, team. We, yeah, amusement park or carnival in Antwerp. Yeah, and then the team's looking for for Stavros. Is it Stavros or Starvos? It's Stavros, right? Stavros. Here's okay. the thing. I wrote down Starbros. Starbros. But then I wrote down eventually Starbros is Mickey Rourke. Holy shit! Right. <laughs> and I'm like, either way, I just call him Mickey. I just call him Mickey Rourke. From I totally now on. forgot it was Mickey Rourke, bro. I'm being completely dead ass. I don't know why. I just couldn't. I just my mind didn't put together that was Mickey Rourke. <laughs> what is? I don't know. I totally was like, holy shit, it's Mickey Rourke. Like, so Mickey Rourke hasn't done anything prominent. Like you literally yeah. said, like maybe like the two movies. It was the wrestler. Was he, he showed he, up in Iron Man two? Was and he, he was in Expendables? Was he also in Forty Eight Hours with Eddie Murphy? I don't, I don't know that one. Oh, okay. You would know that better than I would. So then, yeah, at the amusement park, they're looking for Stavros. You know, they're looking around, reconning, looking around. But you see, guys, JCVG feels the, a disturbance in the force. Yeah, I feel a disturbance. Like, Stavros is too smart. Where's the driver of the car? Then Stavros actually shows up, and we see him meeting a woman who has a kid with her. I'm like, oh, God, he has a kid. And I realize, oh, God, we know where this is going. Yeah, so seeing the kid makes JCVG hesitate. But, and then Stavros is, Stavros, like, Stavros had guys with him and he's tipped off that he's being watched somehow. Either way, he whips out a handgun and shoots with pinpoint accuracy. He shoots JCVD sniper lady right in the face. Yeah, dude, just straight up. I'm like, oh, hey, I guess Biggie Works is a badass. Either way, they have a big ambush shootout in this fucking, like, carnival. Yeah, it kind J- of fails. Yeah, JC's entire team gets slaughtered. Yeah, basically gets slaughtered. Yeah, and it just fails. Unfortunately, I guess Mickey Rourke's kid dies. His wife, too. His wife and his kid dies. So you kind of have sympathy for the bad guy. But I guess he's just a bad guy. We don't know. I can't remember what he's bad for. Yeah, I saw this, and I'm like, this is just the origin story for the Punisher. Yeah, you've kind of you kind of made you're kind of putting this on yourself, I guess. So then Stavros runs into a hospital. He takes out some security. Hey, guards. I did want to mention one funny sure. fucking quick say where we see JCVD hopping over these fucking like carnival like oh yeah things, and literally he's tripping over these fucking mass amount of like Coca Cola cans running. But then he just flips out and does a fucking split kick on two dudes. Yeah, yeah, he he turned a fail into a success. Yeah, it was weird. So now, yeah, he follows JC. Yeah, they go into a hospital yeah. that's pretty empty, but there's workers and children. Yeah. I'm like, wait. Babies. I'm like, dude, have you ever been to a fucking hospital? <laughs> they, they do know they're fully that, staffed at night, right? Yeah. You know, these are like hospitals. They're fully staffed out. 24-7. Yeah. They're, they're kind of fucking busy. <laughs> and I'm like, there's no one here. Except some dead There's fucking no, co- except dead workers and some babies. They had one security guard. There was one doctor lying on the floor, and then there was a shit ton of babies. Yeah. No one was watching the babies. I know. They were just in rooms in their incubators by themselves. Yeah, we were very concerned about how is this hospital empty. <laughs> Either way, it movie. <laughs> it's a movie. So so yeah, it, through so through his dialogue, it's made very clear that Mickey Rourke, I guess, as he is, <laughs> it's so much fe- funny to say. Mickey Rourke is, feels that John Van Damme is responsible for the death of his wife and child. Yeah, he's literally telling us his kid like riding ponies on the weekend. 
Now we can't because he said something like Pony's going to miss that little boy, which shouldn't be funny. But damn it. But it's Mickey Rourke. Yeah. He said the way he said it. Pony's going to miss that little boy. And I'm like, damn, you kind of just like JCVD kind of made it like a supervillain. And he doesn't say, I swear vengeance upon me. But he basically says he swears vengeance upon me. Well, yeah, guys. because he's fucking me. He's, he's trying to do a slick Mickey Rourke style thing because Mickey Rourke's cool. So I guess. A, so there's a part where, okay, this was, there's a part where Stavros slips away and he throws like a baby incubator yeah, he at throws John a, yeah, Claude. Yeah, he throws a baby at John, he throws out a baby incubator. He throws a baby. Yeah, basically. He does kind of though. Yeah, he kind of just rolls this whole like baby like incubator at John Claude and there's a grenade in there. I wrote down, oh, grenade baby. And then Rourke gets away. <laughs> Dude, okay, so John Claude saves the baby, but he pushes the thing away, but then it explodes. And then I appreciate the tiny bit of realism. A fuck ton of shrapnel gets lodged into JC's back. But bro, did you see his back when he was taking his face when he was taking that shrapnel? I took pictures of it when he's going like, oh, with the explosion. Of he has such total sex face going on. He literally he takes his like he's it's like in my contract he's that like, anytime oh, I anytime oh. I feel pain I am sex icon that anytime I take pain I must have O face. Make sure I have O face when filming me because I am sex icon Jean Claude Van Damme. So here's what happens: he it explodes. He get he gets hurt. We fast forward to later, and now he's just in a room. Yeah, he's in a. I thought he was in a hospital. No, it turns out he's on. The Colony. I thought we transported to an entirely different movie. I'm like, is this like somehow a fucking weird sci-fi bullshit? Because they call it, welcome to the colony. And then I remember it's like, oh yeah, that's right. This is a weird movie. And then it turns out this is just fucking Jurassic Park, but for, but for secret agents. Cause he meets a Britishman named Alex Goldsmith. Yeah, it's Goldsmith, not Goldsmith. Turns out as he, as he joins him, uh, and he explains they're on a secret island made of dead, quote unquote, agents, terrorists, you name it. And in fact, one guy named Stahl, I think, recognizes JC. He's like, Quinn. He's like, Stahl. Stall. And then Stall punches him in the face. So either way, yeah, because they're just on some island with, with I guess like these are all these super agents or whatever that are like too di- that are like basically they've failed, but they're too dangerous to actually might leave. But like they're too dangerous that they should be dead, but maybe we could put them to use. So we put yeah. them all on this island. They're too dangerous to live, but too valuable to be to die. Yeah. So then, so then, yeah, that's basically the whole thing. They're the, they're, uh, the, Alex basically tells them they're the last line of defense and counterterrorism. They, they operate on a contract by contract basis for the governments. And that's important because then we see them all in a room with a bunch of computers and a bunch of dudes and shit looking over some plane crash footage as they're, they talk about how there's quote unquote something up with the Koreans. There's something up with the Koreans. We see so, someone of the, pre, of the presidential, like whatever, U.S. presidential staff, like make a freaking th- comment on this event. But then you, we were sitting there. I was like, JCVD, how badass are you? And he's like, let me analyze the plane. I see a shadow. <laughs> yeah. And then they do a cover. I was like, oh, hey, that could be a shadow of something. And realize, oh, this was a cover up for a spy plane so that the freaking U.S. can spy on the Koreans. But before this scene can breathe, then we're just outside with JC overlooking the water. And Alex Goldsmith goes up to him and he says, he says, uh, I think John Claude asks, how do you keep the place hidden? And Alex says, underwater lasers. 
Yeah, there. <laughs> word for word, underwater. This movie is from 1967. No one comes in and no one gets out. I'm like, okay, bet, bro. So basically, JCB. Yeah, like he's told about the island laser grid, and there's also a rough undertow. So basically, yeah. yeah, someone did swim off and try to escape, but the undertow got them, and it would have been forever for them to fucking make it to whatever actual piece of land. So yeah, and then if, if someone did then his guardian angel or his sponsor would then have to go hunt them down and kill them. Yeah. I'm like, what an island. What a weird movie. Like, it's like, li- it's like a like between Jurassic this, Park like, and Mortal Kombat. Like, literally, this island could be a movie on its own. Yeah, I actually kind of wish it was. But no. Fuck Stavros and, and uh, JC's wife. This actually would have been a hell of an idea for a movie. Yeah, interesting concept where you're a super killer, but then you're on an island, but you can't leave. But then you realize the island sucks. But no, we need Mickey Rourke throwing baby grenades. Yes, we need. (laughs) Yes, we need Mickey Rourke with baby grenades. Also, we got Dennis Rodman in the film. We should use him. Yeah. (laughs) So then we see Catherine looking super sad, you guys. But she gets a call that her sculptures have been chosen for an exhibit. Then we go back to Jean-Claude Van Damme. On the fucking laser island. Not the colony. The colony. The colony. That's a good name for, I mean, it's generic, but that's a good name for a movie too. The colony. So it's here we're shown that at certain points of the day, and this is important for later, they get told by, everyone wears these watches, and at points during the day it says, you have five minutes to check into your rooms. Um, and then as that's happening, we see a supply drop is made to the local waters. Once they turn off the laser, then they have people uh, go retrieve it, which is also important for later. Yeah. And then, and then John Van Tam then makes himself a series of calendars because, and he, what does he say? It's to someone's birthday or yeah, something? Yeah, I'm sure it's his kid's birthday or something. Oh, that's right. That's right. Bro. The birth of his child or something. Then we see Catherine going to the art exhibit. Yeah. Some yuppie art museum. And then we see like the fucking... Just like looks around. That's pretty much all that that is. Now back at the colony, (laughs) we see. Here's the thing about JCVD. Back at the wasted movie concept. Yeah, back at the wasted movie concept, we see JCVD all looking injured, but in his room, he's not injured. Yeah, what the fuck? So yeah, he starts just doing random prison exercises. I thought maybe it was a thing where time for JCVD to get in shape. I couldn't tell if he was faking his injuries or if he was just like I thought because he lifts his leg up. I'm like, okay, this is gonna be where he builds himself back up. He's gonna do some rehab. Nope. As soon as the door closes, he drops the clutches. He's doing like a, I don't know what they're called, but he's doing a whole bunch of exercises, hanging them from the wall. Man, from I his just calves. wrote down was like, we get it, we got the JCVD splits right now. Yeah, and then he does gymnastics training. And then literally homeboy's just doing creative training, just building whatever the fuck. Because then he's also like trying to hold his breath in the water. It's like, oh, he's trying yeah. to train himself to escape the colony. Also, the music during movie this concept. Honestly, the entire and the entire soundtrack at this point just sounds like it should be music from a porno. Yeah. So and yeah, back no, but also yeah, still in the colony. Now they're back in the info dome. That's yeah. what I called it. Yeah, they're that's fair. They're like, okay, we know where Stavros is, but who's his boss? Who's paying him? Actually, did we ever get a resolution to that? No. I didn't think so. No. But yeah, they're like, who's paying him? So JCVG. Stravos was fu- I, Okay, maybe this is the conversation after the info dome. I guess. Where they're like, Stravos, you know, when he was working for us, he was cool. But when he's not working for us, he sucks. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So then, like, they they look at wreckage footage. There was like an attack in Spain. Yeah, or there's something. like some bomb footage, and then you see JCVD like look up a fucking like building. He they realize he gets a note that's 
Freaking Mickey Rourke found his wife and kid. Yeah, the the thing but says. But then obviously I have your butterfly. Yeah, and then you just see him. He's like, "Well, I did get off this fucking island." Because you see, JCVG's wife has a tattoo of a butterfly. Mm. Speaking of Is the it other a tramp stamp, <laughs> no, actually no, it's uh, it's like right here on her neck. Oh. It only gets shown like twice. It's clearly just a paint on tattoo. Yeah, I did not catch it. <laughs> Speaking of the owner of that art museum. Or at least the owner of the art museum that uh, Catherine, his wife, was going to go talk to. Yeah, it's Stavros, you guys. Oh, it's Stavros. Oh, it's all Mickey Rourke. More porno oh. music as Van Damme does rehab. And then there was, I don't know what this, I don't know what this training was. I just know at one point he was kicking the shit out of buckets with rocks. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then there's a point, did you remember this? He was like bench pressing the bathtub. Yeah, he's literally doing squats <laughs> with the bathtub. I'm like, damn, he's getting very, yeah, he's doing very angry squats with the bathtub. And I don't want to like, overstay on the scene but his faces are hilarious he's like oh, oh like the most exaggerated 80s rock and mm. wrestling bullshit you can imagine then we get a kind of cringe worthy scene as we see him slice off his freaking thumbprint yeah not cringe like oh that's cringe no because cringe like oh that looks like it fucking hurts and then i was like yeah homie just sliced the like thin like minutely sliced the skin off his fucking thumb and then he's making something. We don't know what it is yet, but he's random, making something out of some, a Coca-Cola it's can. It's some random contraption. Also, did you guys notice the sponsor of this movie is fucking Coca-Cola? Yeah, I think Coca-Cola might have helped pay for this movie. But then, Actually, it plays into a part in the movie later. <laughs> yeah. So then, yeah, he does that. And the next day, they show the supply drop. Turns out, he was making a device that could fake his thumbprint when it calls when it's time for them to check. No, he's in. making a device that he fucking like glued his thumbprint on to press onto the fucking thing. So, it, like, ever it, it like freaking records that he's at his room. Yeah, and, and while that's happening, he can in this order leave his room, go off to the mountain cliff, jump off the mountain. Swim right through. as the lasers are deactivated for this drop and stow away on the supply boat. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. But then a random scuba diver starts sees him and starts choking him underwater with, I think, a plastic bag. Yeah, I'm like, okay, we now we have a fucking scuba underwater fight. But the JCVD is just like, fuck your, and he jacks his scuba shit. Yeah, well, he, he jacks it, he him. fights him, and then JCVD like latches onto, I guess, this equipment that another plane is picking up and literally grabbing JCV at the last second, rise the lasers reactivate. Yeah, he doesn't steal the scuba gear because it's Jean Claude Van Damme. He doesn't need no pussy scuba gear. He holds. Holds his breath the entire time he's down there fighting that dude, been choked, and still swims to the surface because he's fucking badass. He's and another, badass, draw Claw Van Damme. And another guy blows up. Yeah, by the lasers of the island. So then he pulls a Nathan Drake from Uncharted 3, and he's hanging off of a carrier plane. Yep. He climbs on boards and fight the guys. There's a funny bit where he throws the first guy over the edge, and he's like, do you have a parachute? And the guy's like, Yes, and then he kicks him off. I that just wrote funny. down like now JCVD fights the plane crew that were just doing their job. You're just doing a normal day's work. Actually, yeah, you're, they didn't even have guns. Yeah, they're just doing a normal. They didn't even pull guns. Yeah, they're just doing a normal day's work. But then they realize why do we have this random fucking? I have to save my wife. Yeah, we have this random fucking stowaway that does fucking split kicks on us. <laughs> I'm like, literally, it's like JCVD. You're kind of like. You're kind of coming off more as a bad guy than the good guy. But yeah, yeah. I have to save my wife. I have to save my wife, my kid. I have to save my son. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then he jacks the plane. Then Goldsmith finds out he escapes, and we find out that he's JCVD's guardian. Yeah, it's like, oh, who's this guardian? And then he gets the timer on his watch, like, well, I guess now I gotta go 
Hunt down Jean Claude. And then after literally half an hour, we cut back to Dennis Robin. I'm like, oh fuck, that's right, he's in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. After he's the wa- only the second name on the fucking box art. Yeah, dude. After the waste of the plot, that was the fucking colony. That was the colony. Yeah, we just got Dennis Robin. Yeah, and he and he shows up and uh, he's trying to close up for the night, but Jason's like, I need some mean toys. I need. <laughs> also, can you fly a plane? <laughs> he's like, hell yeah, I can fly a plane. He doesn't have money, but he's able to convince Robin to help him. No, Not with a lot of effort either. He just says, I will give you CIA bank account numbers. No, it's literally, he's literally trying to buy the weapons. And then Dennis Robin, after showing the guns, was like, wait, how are you paying with this? I'll pay you later. Nope, I'm closing up a shot. And then realize, oh, come on. You know I'm good for the money. Oh, yeah, what? I will give you CIA bank account numbers. And it's like, no. And he's like... But can you fly up? But like, I need your help. Literally, he's like asking, yeah, but you want to help me out and do this thing? And like Dennis Rodman goes like, huh, chaotic trouble. You know what? I'll do it. And I feel like that's the life of Dennis Rodman. That's what he says. He says, he goes like, no, I look at you and I see trouble. Yeah. He literally says, I look at you and I see trouble. But What the hell? I like trouble. Yeah. I'm like, I think that's Dennis Rodman's like motto in life. I actually wrote here. I'm like, you sure do Dennis Rodman. (laughs) Yeah. You just sit there. It's like, you look like trouble. Let's do something. Dennis Rodman is trouble. (laughs) So now they're in a plane. I don't know. John Claude seems like more trouble in this movie. Oh, well, he did beat up innocent plane worker dudes. I feel like John Claude and Dennis Rodman bonded during this movie. I feel like they would be homies. I feel like they bonded over doing lots of cocaine with each other. See, it's funny you mentioned that because I thought the whole movie, the first half of the movie, I'm like looking at his nostrils and I'm like, are they bigger than they were in Bloodsport? <laughs> so now they're in a plane and they don't have parachutes, but they have a creation of Rodman's instead. And what's that? So you see JCVD throws them both out of the plane and instead of a parachute, they are then instead encased in a giant basketball. Yep. Because Dennis Rodman. What? Yeah, and it yeah, just and yeah. It, this movie has a lot of references to the fact that hey guys, this is Dennis Rodman and he plays basketball. Except that's not Dennis Rodman. That's Yaz. He's a weapons dealer. But some of his dialogue is even even is either referencing basketball or it's referencing his life in basketball. And it's like, is this is this is this Dennis Rodman or is this a fucking character? So either way, they just bounce on the ground like a in this basketball like construction, and then you had Jason. I don't want to hear people give shit to Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull for the refrigerator bullshit. After I saw these guys survive a fall from a plane in a giant basketball. So anyway, then we go to the, Indiana Jones is a bigger movie. Well, no one gave a fuck about this movie. This movie has Dennis Rodman with Mickey Rourke. Yeah. Dude, holy shit, right. They're doing another fucking Indiana Jones movie. I guess so, yeah. Yep. So then we they're going to I think they were going to like his house, right? Is that where they went? Yeah, I wait, hold it, let me look. Yeah, they're at okay. his pad. Yeah, they go to JCVD's pad and then he looks in, there's a caretaker, and it looks like maybe his baby's born. But he goes in, and I'm like, oh, it's a bomb baby. And it's then, another grenade baby. Well, except this time it's just a plastic well, baby. Well, it's a fake baby. Yeah, it's still. a fake baby, but it's a bomb baby and then an ambush. But JCVD survives. He fights and shoots off everyone. Yeah, the bad guys just start blasting, and then JCVD's jumping through fire in the air. He kills most of the guys after diving into the pool. Yeah. And just shooting. After he takes them out, he goes back to his car to see a picture on his wiper. Yeah, place. he goes to a card. There is a cassette playing, a message from fucking... Uh, Mickey Rourke basically t- giving him a clue on where he where he is next, 
And then Roman appears and he stops a bloke from like uh, killing JCVD as he goes on. I want to protect my investment. Yeah. Now, Dennis Robin's like, hey, can I get my fucking money? Yeah. Oh, yeah. How about those codes? And he's like, no, I need transportation. All right. I'm your man. Yeah. And Robin's just like, fine. Yeah. I'm like sitting there. It's like, what? Yeah. And they jack a fucking Fiat like 500. This is the worst weapon dealer of all time. So now they're just they're just in fucking Rome now, everybody. No, like and, literally, JCVD just like asked us, "Rome, hey, you want to steal a vehicle?" I'm like, you know what? He's really good at distracting him. But now in Rome, I guess we they're at a hotel, and they freaking Dennis Rodman finally come goes up and complains about money. We also see Goldsmith has traveled to the area too. That too. And then Dennis yeah. has an envelope for Quinn that he got somewhere, and inside is a picture of the sonogram of JCVD's son. And oh my God, this fucking dialogue. Dennis says, Quinn, keep your money. Why didn't you tell me this before? What do you care? You always play defense. It's time to <laughs> it's time to get off the bench. A good defense is a good offense. And then they fucking fist bump. Yeah, he's literally complaining. He's like, I don't think you have the codes. I don't think government doesn't exist. Oh, wait, you have a kid that's in trouble? You know what? I'm your man. <laughs> Base basketball references. Let's do this. Basketball references. <laughs> yeah. So JCVD is going to send an email to Stavros, and JC is like, it doesn't have a plan, but he says that Stavros doesn't know that. Dennis points out every intelligence agency is going to see that. And JC's like, I know. So we've established that JC is not good at, in this movie, he's not good at planning things. He's kind of a dick for beating up maybe civilians. Mm hmm. And his emotional compromises got his entire team killed. Yeah. Did we talk about how- Am I supposed to root for JCVD in this movie? Yeah, you know what? He's not very- uh, He does things that are kind of scat- I have to save my wife. Yeah, they're pretty sus. Did we talk about how they're trying to make a plan to jump Mickey Rourke, but then JCVD realizes- He goes like, I don't have a plan. Yeah, that's that's this part right here. Yeah, but see Dennis that, is like, what's the plan? I don't have one. But Stavros doesn't know that. Yeah, and Stavros doesn't know that, and he'll think I'll have a plan, so- I'm like, that's not a plan. <laughs> so either way, then he like sends out a pager message that basically tips off all these fucking government agencies and agents uh, while also Mickey Rourke gets a message and goes, uh, that's a kind of a smart move, I guess. But then we also see Catherine's in labor in the background. Yeah. And he trans, he, he has her move to a hospital. Yeah. Well, you should go to a hospital if you're going to give some birth lady. So we see some agent dudes chilling in a. Dude, in like we see a, agents from all different types of agents. Dudes. Yeah, they're just reconning the places. Dennis strolls along, and there's like there's also a wedding going on in the background too. It's crowded as shit, mm-hmm. and then he, Dennis Robin, who by the way is in a trench coat and hat, looking normal by comparison. Yeah, yeah, sure. Some seven foot dude, well, with crazed piercings and a normal suit, still not going to tip someone off. And then he sits down next to JCVD in a disguise. This is what Jean-Claude Vandam is wearing. Yeah, he's looking like the fucking Encino man. He's got an open green jacket, light brown afro with specs and a boom box. Yeah, he's literally looking like the Encino man or fucking like, what's Pauly Shore? I was almost thinking, he almost reminded me of like a like a, like a shittier version of, uh, did you ever see De Niro in Taxi Driver? I've I've know of De Niro and Taxi Driver. Yeah, near the end of the movie where he gets like the camo leather jacket and he goes to save uh he he goes to save I think it's like whoever the actress is like no, I've never watched the movie though. Oh, okay. It's a good know. movie. 
Uh, uh, I've watched YouTube analysis videos on the character that okay. is the taxi driver. Th- that's interesting, but no. For me, he's just looking like Pauly Shore from Encino Man. Okay. So remember how I said that JCVD ha- had emotional compromises? Well, he sees his he, wife. Yeah, like I'm sure after like months, by. and he's just like, oh my God, that's my wife. And he runs after her, and Dennis Rodman has enough sense to yell, Quinn, no, that's what he wants. And yeah, it turns out that's what he fucking wanted. Yeah, because then he runs into Mickey Rourke and they have dialogue and he's basically threatening, I'm going to kill all, I'm killing you, your wife, and your kid because you killed my kid. But then the agents are like, oh shit, it's Stavros and Quinn. Then they, these agents <laughs> don't give a shit. They open fire in broad day and there's points, they're gunning the fuck out of civilians. Yeah, dude, it's basically just a full on <clears throat> shootout. A lot of people are dying. But there was a sniper though at some point. I'm trying to remember. Either way, JCBD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either way, JCVD escapes on a horse while looking like the Encino he man. He a horse. Yeah. Rodman stalks the sniper lad, but then has a backseat fight with some random dude and then fucking just trucks him through a bus. Yeah, he yeah he lifts him like over the car just by li- dragging his arm. And as he lifts him up, he goes, he's up. Then he goes through a bus window. He's in. And he says something like, five pointer. Excuse me, Dennis Rodman. Excuse me, what? So then JCVD sneaks into a hotel, I think, after Stavros. The Coke must have been really good at that fucking movie. We see him we see him confront him in front of a door, but then Stavros turns around and shoots him with a shootcase gun like the dude's in Desperado. No, no, no. That's just the sniper. That's not Stavros. Oh, this is a sniper. Well, either way, yeah, it's just he the turns around sniper. and shoots him with machine gun. Honestly, I thought for some reason that dude was Stavros. I don't know why they look the same. Either way, he tries to shoot him with the fucking machine gun from fucking uh, El Desperado, Desperado, but no, it, it just turns into a JCVD masker as he beats the shit out of him. And he kicks his ass. Then a random Asian man yeah, comes this, out. I just wrote down a Kung Fu bald dude that fucking eventually kicks his shoes at fucking JCVD, but he has a fucking knife between his toes. Yeah, he's got While foot knife. Yeah, so he's trying to do fucking foot knife fucking karate kicks, but I'm like, yeah, no, that's not going to work because JCVD then beats his ass. And then he kills the sniper by way of Enter the Dragon, where he kicks him onto a knife that was sticking out of the wall. Mm, all right. Or, yeah. So then Quinn escapes the room and hotel, and now we cut to a hospital where Catherine is super about to give birth. Yeah, she's in labor. But and then she realizes, oh, my God, stuff is sketchy. Oh, I have to give birth to a baby right now. Ha! Huh? Then JC uh, goes to a church with Rodman. Yeah. And we just see JCVD go to a church. Why? We don't know. This is the point in the, where I wrote my notes. Man, the pacing in this movie is fucking garbo. Yeah, we're just at this church and I'm like, oh shit. We, There's we got- one throwaway line by Rodman earlier where he says something like, I have I have a brother in in Rome or whatever. So now they're at this church. He le- and the father or priest or whatever or friar leads him through these catacombs of the church that leads to a computer room. Yeah, a huge co- computer room with Turns a huge out- data bank of all the history of like recorded of Rome. Yeah. Turns out Yaz is homies with the church dudes who are also like cyber hackers from God, I guess. So as Robin put it, cyber monks. He did say cyber monks. You're right. As for that, Robin <laughs> is a religious man, and the cyber monks have a huge databank of Rome. And they also get a random casual message pointing out some lady at some hospital. But then we realize, oh, it's a message from the colony. And then you have JCVD send a message back th- saying thank you. And I'm like, are the colony trying to kill him or help him? 
I don't know. Yeah, no one knows. It's kind of weird. So they find, and, and this is a woman that has, that I believe has been working with Stavros for like most of the movie. Yeah, I think this woman might be Stavros's number one lady. I don't even know if she had a line of dialogue. No, no, no. It's Mickey Rourke. Who cares? So some father dude, after that, a father dude leads him, leads JC and the rod outside. And then we see Catherine about to give birth. Yep. Then we see Robin trying to blow up some bars to a window. Uh, in the with, tunnels with Semtex and a basketball pun. I just I wrote down Ramen MacGyver on a <laughs> set of bars, and then lol, they just try to sit there, try to set up a fucking explosion. He's short on stuff, but he's MacGyver, so he sets up some. Eventually, they, he sets up a trigger where he throws a rock at it, and it misses the first time. And then JCVD goes like, "You need to practice." And then freaking Robin's like, "No, I don't like practice, lol." And then he says, "I never miss twice." Yeah, and he throws it. I'm like, "Was that Robin's basketball career?" Because I know you. I know we heard. So I know fun- I heard Michael Jordan going like him going off and dragging Robin to practice. It's so funny because Jordan got him because De- Robin was a god tier rebounder, but he was pretty much a crap shooter. But he was so good at rebounding and shit. So I don't know. He he was like he was like when you have that crew of dudes where you have like the one loose cannon guy that no one trusts but everybody needs. That's Robin. It just. It was it's 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 weird. So then uh, I imagine Raman didn't play basketball for that long, though. He only was with them for five of the six rings. Oh, OK. Well, yeah, the three rings, the space jam break and then the and then two of the other rings. I forgot why he left. I think it was just conflict. But- so he was on the Bulls then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know what Raman played. I thought he was like a star player on another thing. I didn't know he was on the Bulls and he was Michael Jordan's like main rebound man. He might as well just be he may as well just been uh freaking Michael Jordan's mad dog. Yeah. Cuz it's really what he was. Um but yeah, so Jay so then here's the next few scenes. Catherine gets birth. Mhm. Cut to J and D. <laughs> yeah, we got the gut. We got J and Rod. J JCVD makes it to the hospital and starts scaling the walls. Yep, they climb a wall, <laughs> but then we see freaking Ramen go into a dark room. Yeah, see, Dennis is mostly on the ground trying to like solve snake that shit by sneaking around. Then there's a goon. Stavro says he wants to kill the lady that's been helping him and Catherine. All right, and he gets killed because yeah, he just tells his goon, "All right, kill both the ladies." But he's going to shoot the lady, but then Catherine stabs him, and then the other lady shoots him. So I guess face turn. Yeah, yeah. So they're sneaking around, taking out some dudes, sneaking around. They make it inside, and there she is. JC sees his wife on the delivery table. They have a tearful reunion. You know, the whole, they said you were dead. And she's going like, I thought you died. And he's like, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, and then they eventually realize this way. Where's my son? Where the fuck is my son? And then, like, he's like, and then it's like Mickey Rourke has your kid, and he's like, damn it. And then Ramen comes in and is like, hey, I'll take care of the ladies. Go save your kid. And then they go to the Roman fucking Coliseum. And then, like, we see a shirtless Mickey Rourke. I'm he like, is shredded. I'm like, do you need to be shirtless right now? He's in better shape than John Claude. Yeah, there's like, but I'm still curious. Like, wait, why you like have your shirt off in this final battle? And he's just sitting there smoking a cigar. Was he trying to make JCVD look small? Well, yeah, because he made him look small. 
I'm just sitting I still don't know why he f- felt the need to be shirtless for this final battle. Because it's a personal battle. It's it's the final battle. Yeah, so come on, you know how it is when we were kids for the climactic final battle? What's the best way of showing it's yeah, a climactic need- final battle between rivals? Rip your fucking shirts off. Yeah, we need buff dudes. We need shirtless buff dudes in the final battle. No, we do not. Yeah, in the re- we need two shirtless buff dudes in the Roman Coliseum. Except we need Mickey Rourke's weird looking face and buff body ready to fucking fight Jean-Claude Van Damme. Except he doesn't, because he set up landmines all over the all over the place. Here's the best part: he sets up landmines all over the place, and he goes on a mini rant to John Claude. But then he, this is the important part: he fucking says, "You know, Jack, men are strong, but the tiger is stronger." I'm like, "What the fuck?" But then a fu- a fucking a fucking tiger just runs out of the darkness. Hey, you want to know what's weird? Back at the fucking carnival where like uh, Mickey Works kid died, there was also a tiger in a cage. Wow, this movie has so much fucking foreshadowing. This movie has some fucking weird. It actually shit. does. There's a lot of foreshadowing on the island. Yeah, and there's actually, I guess, a foreshadowing in the amusement park. So then, John Claude Van Damme has to fight a tiger, but he has to fight a tiger in a minefield. Mm-hmm. And then just as he starts kicking the tiger in the face. Yeah, he literally kick a tiger in the face. Dennis Rodman so, like, flies. Because in. the tiger's trying to sniff up his kid. Yeah. yeah Dennis Rodman comes in on a fucking motocross Flying bike. on a motorcycle. And he drives around all the mines and scoops up the baby. Yeah, I thought fucking Mickey Rourke had a gunman. Why is he not shooting at Dennis Rodman? Listen, I don't care how much money you're paying me. If I got if I have a sniper trained on a scary Frenchman who's fighting a tiger in a minefield, then a crazy man jumps in on a, ro- a motorcycle. I wouldn't know what the fuck to do. Yeah, I think I'd be in fucking like on shock watching <laughs> Dennis Rodman mob on a motocross bike pick up a kid while there's a tiger in the stadium. See, you say here's that. The, here's the thing, also though, too. He said he was going to take care of the ladies back in the hospital. I guess I I, I get I I swear, I feel like there's a two pump chump joke in there somewhere but yeah i don't know i guess i guess they're fine because that's the last we see of them <laughs> yeah i just throw my hands up in the air and just don't care so eventually jcvd is able to get away and lock the tiger behind a cage meanwhile dennis stashes the baby somewhere but he tells but not before telling the baby i'll be back because he's wearing shades because he's dennis robin <laughs> yeah. and he wears shades he's like don't worry little man I'll be back. Then somehow JCVD runs into the tiger again, but he runs into the shooter dude. Now they're like, standing over like, the edge of a cliff. Yeah, yeah. So freaking JCVD is being chased by a tiger. Ends up on this cliff that has a wood board. But in JCVD fashions, he kicks like this fucking pillar and then it knocks the tiger down. And then the tiger like eats this gunman that was firing at JCVD. Yeah. So now it's time for the big showdown between JCVD, between Jean-Claude Van Damme and Mickey fucking Shredded Rourke. Yeah, dude, a shirtless shredded Mickey Rourke versus Jean-Claude Van Damme. They beat the Who's sh- looking like a homeless man. Yeah, I'm not, you, you would think Jean-Claude would be the fucking shirtless, we'd be all shirtless right now, try to show his sick abs. But now no, he's he, felt, like, he must have felt intimidated by Mickey Rourke. Yeah, I guess because Mickey Rourke's looking buff. He's like swollen goal, ready to whip fucking JCVD's ass. So there's no. They have a fun fight in the fucking Coliseum with landmines. Yeah, there's no super impressive choreography. They do have a. a, a they do fight barehanded like, yeah, in the yeah, mine JCVD field. Did, JCVD does wacky fucking kickflips earlier in the film with like doing with his fights and shit. Yeah, and yes, they are fighting indeed barehanded in the minefield like Solid Snake and Gray Fox from Metal Gear. But then, but then, and this is what I wrote here. John Claus starts winning because he starts doing kicks. Like, if you notice, there, <laughs> Rourke's kicking his ass, 
and John Claw's responding with punches. But once he starts kicking, he starts winning. <laughs> Why don't you start kicking earlier? <laughs> and then time for a little trickery because Stavros accidentally steps on a landmine or like the trigger. No, no, no. Like fucking JCVD st- st- steps on a fucking cross. Here's the thing. A lot of these man- landmines are marked out by crosses. Yeah. And, he st- and then we see JCVD step on a cross thinking it's a landmine. And then we see Mickey Rourke step on a landmine, but then we see Dennis Rodman. Actually, no, we see Rodman first step on a landmine at some point. Yeah. But since he's fucking MacGyver, he puts a fucking, he's able to put a fucking, like a pin in to prevent it from fucking blowing up. Oh, that's right. But then, but then either way, we see Ramen. He fucking moves the fucking the crosses around, and it fools Mickey Rourke because he accidentally steps on a landmine that was uh, that wasn't marked out. So he's kind of stuck there. And Ramen JCVD is like ha ha lol, <laughs> no. And he got Ramen going ha ha lol. We fucking big brain you, buff man. So then the tiger, the fucking tiger comes back. Yeah, and we just see fucking yeah Dennis Ramen and JCVD leave. While they're going to go get the baby and then freaking realize the tiger comes in and he's about to go attack Mickey Rourke. But he realizes, well, I'm dead. So he steps off the landmine and then blows up and the tiger. But yeah. since this like whole Coliseum is filled out with landmines, all of them blow up. Oh, yeah. Also fucking um, JCVD's sponsor, his fucking Goldsmith. Yeah. yeah, his guardian Goldsmith. He's there. and He's like, hey, I have the kid. Let's escape the explosion. Yeah. I thought he'd be there trying to kill him, but I was like, nope, I got your kid. Let's bounce out, and they're running through the explosion, and basically all these fucking flames are gone. Basically the Death Star and fucking Return of the Jedi. But then they find a Coca-Cola vending machine to hide behind. And they stand in front of it as the flames circle around them. Yeah, so they survive by Coca-Cola vending machine. What the fuck? And then, yeah, no, they're ready to get going. But then the sponsor's like, whiffs out his gun on JCVD. And he's like, ah, you know what? Cut off a piece of your hair, a piece of your clothing. I think it will work. But then this Dennis Rodman throws a fucking smoke grenade quarter at him. Yeah. And then JCVD escapes. But then it's like, all right, whatever. Also, Dennis Rodman is shirtless now, too. And then, yeah. And then and then JCVD gets away. He gets to live happily ever after. And then it's all good. And, and, then, it, and then Dennis Robin makes a joke where he's just like, where he's looking at the Coliseum on fire. And he's like, oh, you know, they're, he's saying this to no one. You know, they're going to find me for this one. Wonder how much it is. Roll credits. That's our movie, everybody. Where John claude Van Damme fought Mickey Rourke. Dennis Robin was there. And Mickey Rourke died by stepping on a landmine and blowing himself up with a tiger. Yeah. Movie's over, guys. What a movie. What What'd a- you think of it? Okay, I remember I saw the Rotten Tomatoes rating of 11, but I actually, here's the thing, I had fun watching this movie, and it's not the worst we've seen. Why is the tagline for the movie, they don't play by the rules? Well, they don't. This movie had a budget of, adjusted for inflation, $48 million. This movie made 30. All right. (laughs) Hey, I'm sure it was a good fucking VHS classic. The Los Angeles Times said when this movie came out, this was one of Van Damme's best. And they thought Rodman put in a good performance. Here's the, it's an entertaining movie. I'm not bored. Like, believe me, Barbed Wire. That movie is pretty boring. This movie is not better than Bloodsport. Are you fucking joking? Well, right? it's more coherent than Bloodsport. Is it? Okay, first beginning of Bloodsport's really bad. Yeah, but then they get to the Kumite and the movie becomes good. Yeah, I know. 
This movie is but the first part fucking. Of, this movie felt like they split it. They spliced together the two movies. Here's the thing: Robin did better acting though in the fucking this movie compared to the Bloodsport movie. Whatever the fucking was acting Dennis was. Dennis Rodman a better actor than Jean Claude Van Damme? You know what? I think so. He might be. He might be. He can uh, maybe he could deliver lines better. You know, maybe on the emoting and doing splits kicks, no. Or maybe Jean Claude's so bad that Dennis Rodman looks good. There's that too. And Mickey Rourke's there too, who is phoning it in but still having fun, you can tell. I'm feeling Rourke, Rodman, and JCVD were all doing coke together on this movie. <laughs> what Mickey f- Rourke do drugs? No. No. No, no. No, no. I'm convinced that the wrestler... Dennis Rodman doing drugs? No, no. Jean-Claude Van Damme doing drugs? No, no, no. No, they super did drugs, you guys. I think the wrestler is actually about Mickey Rourke's life, but they gave it a wrestling backdrop. I thought that movie was more just like them just basically talking about freaking Jake the Stick Roberts. Kind of is about Jake the Snake. At least Jake the Snake Roberts' story had a happier ending than the wrestler. True. We, well, the the wrestler just kind of ends, right? Well, yeah. With the implication, we don't know if he's dead. Well, yeah, because the implication is either column A he dies or column B he lives, but everyone, but his family, but his daughter hates him, so he might have nothing left to live for. That that sounds like the fucking Jake the Snake Roberts story. <laughs> kind of does. It's somehow a more depressing ending than Whiplash. What makes Whiplash depressing? Because with Whiplash, you have the eye because he goes through all that shit. And the implication is either a that, you know, he went through all this just for J.K. Simmons. And now they're finally happy. But look what he had to go through. Or the cycle of their abusive relationship is just going to repeat again and again. So I think the ending was supposed to be a lot more downer. Originally, I think. The guy was, I think the guy was supposed to die originally in like that car crash or whatever, but either way. Yeah. I, I interpret whiplash ending as in he finally has that moment where he's literally, cause that's the most of the time he is that whole movie. He's trying to search for greatness. Yeah. Yeah. And he thinks working with fucking JK. Turn my pages, bitch. Yeah. He's just sitting there. It's fucking like just sitting there and dealing with JK Simmons abuse. And then in the end, literally after JK Simmons does his last little spite to fuck with him, he's like, fuck you. And then he fucking whips ass, takes control, and has a great shining moment of greatness that even J.K. Simmons realizes, damn, you're the man right now. I thought that's how the movie ended. It's like, yeah, what else? He's the has- movie it was made in a way, though, to be interpreted in many ways. So. I guess so. Where some people was like, it's a downer. It'll be a cycle of abuse. Sometimes I was like, no, you never had that moment where you said, no, fuck you. I'm going to do my own thing. And then someone goes like, damn, big respect. You fucking kill it. You killed it. This movie did not have that kind of ending. Oh, God, no, no. This movie John had- Van Damme gets to go be with his family, and Dennis Rodman, I guess, is going to pay for the Coliseum. Yeah. And this is 97, so this is also the year he wins another ring. On the side from his weapons racketeering. Because clearly this movie wants you to know, hey, guys, this is totally Dennis Rodman, you guys. But it's not Dennis Rodman. But this is Dennis Rodman. Well, Dennis Rodman can only play Dennis Rodman. So So Dennis Rodman is a weapons dealer and fucking Michael Jordan saved the Looney Tunes. Now, is Dennis Rodman a better actor than Michael Jordan? He's more charismatic? Wait, no. Michael Jordan has his own kind of charisma. Yeah, see, Michael Jordan does have a weird charisma. That even LeBron, even when he's a bad actor, it's still not that bad. Like I watched Space Jam, like, and I'm like, this he's not doing a bad job. He's just kind of just chilling. he's just being Michael Jordan. Yeah, you know. 
That's kind of it. Like, I don't know how LeBron, like LeBron was. comes off like a character. Le- Michael Jordan comes off like, like, like an enigma. Dennis Rodman comes off like, I want to hang out with you, but I don't think I would get that close to you. Can I just hang out and document the events of this evening? <laughs> and I always like, can He's I? He's like Lars. I don't know if I would want to party with either of them. Like, I, like after two, I like, I will have to bounce out at two o'clock. I can only handle so much. <laughs> I can make it to 2 a.m., but I'm sorry, Ramen, then it's good. I don't know if Ramen would have gone ape shit over a knapsack, though. No. Oh, no. Wait, <laughs> how crazy is Ramen? I know he's the bad boy, like, b-ball player, but, like... He's just the kind of guy, he would get fined a lot of games. He would, do. He would like, because he party all the time, he'd be in and out of jail and bail, and he would cause a lot of property damage. He had toxic... He had toxic relationships. I think he dated Carmen Electra. For yeah, a while. I was about to think right there. I was like, wait, yeah, he he dated like some super hot. And she literally said, "Dating Dennis Rodman is a danger to your personal health." <laughs> and well, just, homie it, did say he broke his dick like three to- two times, and he's been in it. He's been in and out of rehab a bunch of times, uh, which you know, I'm not saying that to be funny, but he is. And I don't know if this is a good or bad thing, but he is hella homies with Kim Jong Un. Yeah, but Kim Jong, well, I feel like Dennis Rodman just lives life. He's like, fuck it, I'll just do it. Yeah, I'll hang. Like, the it, fucked up part is he's like 70. Damn, he's not looking too bad for 70. No, he's not. And that's with all the fucking substance abuse. Yeah. Like, let me double check on that real quick before we peace out. But I swear I looked it up recently. I thought he saw he was like seven. Dennis Rodman. Yeah, here we go. Bo- oh, wait, he's 61, not 71. Still looking good. For Still 61? looking good for sixty-one. Yeah, but yeah, that's the movie. Everybody. Next week we'll be back with more Metallica than you can handle. We're gonna talk next week. We talk about Metallica's most controversial record and their most controversial documentary. Yep. This is the record and movie that ruined Metallica officially forever. Because you had these movies well, that ru- happened at the same time as the Napster thing. So, uh, I guess next week is the fuck Metallica week. Yep. It'll be a fun week. All right, listeners, this is the Triple D Radio Show with their host, James and Edward. I hope you all had an awesome Christmas. We'll see you in the new year. Have a good one. See you guys next year. (laughs) Adios. Adios.